This is the Patriots Catch-22 Podcast with Evan Lazar and Alex Barth. I'm Evan Lazar. Evan Lazar. Evan Lazar. Hello, everybody. Nailed it. Joined, as always, by Alex Barth. That's a bit. That's a match. No risk it, no risk it. 22. Here is Evan Lazar and Alex Barth. And Evan, don't, you know, just catch yourself here because I'm going to use a PFF grade. Whoa. You can believe that. I'm actually going to use a couple of them here. Um, Whoa. For just, it's, we call it around here. All right. 22. A lot of a lot of talk about about the folks at this week around here. Notice I've enjoyed I've enjoyed it. You've enjo- I, I, I know. I, I, I you're can't anti. Lie. I've enjoyed you, it. You are anti. Uh, you know what I'm enjoying, Alex? What? A week where I'm on the Patriots. I am. I think the Patriots are going to win this game on Sunday. Oh, okay. So so here's what I need to ask you, since yep. you're all positive. Yeah. Uh, you said last week, and people yep. in the comments pointed out that it was an amazing line. That you hate yourself on Tuesdays and that you feel you're too negative on Tuesdays. You don't yeah. like how you react on Tuesdays. How would you feel your Tuesday went this week? Uh, I don't think it wasn't good enough. It, it okay. was it was better. You know, I gave some flowers to some people that played well in the game. You know, Christian Gonzalez, of course. Yeah. NFL's Rookie of the Month. Uh, Trent Brown thought he had a good or I don't want to give away all my 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 ups my studs right but I gave I gave some flowers out to some people and I I I, I say this about the offense this is part of my take about you know why I think the Patriots are going to win this game on Sunday in Dallas uh, my take on the offense is is that even though it didn't necessarily yield points on the scoreboard they only scored 13 I I understand that there was little breadcrumbs that I liked after yeah. watching it back on Monday uh, there was little breadcrumbs, mainly about the offensive line, and we're going to talk a lot about the offensive line today because there were some things at practice that I found interesting that I think we need to discuss. But okay. the main thing I would say is that it felt like for the first time all season, maybe even in training camp, like all summer long and season long, I I, I need a word for that, like camp plus the first three weeks, right? That since the start of camp, sure, thank you. Th- since the start of camp really that the offensive line was resetting the line of scrimmage and actually generating some movement in the running game. Like their combination blocks were finally working. They were actually getting on double teams and pushing guys off the line of scrimmage and getting into the linebacker level and springing some runs, you know, mostly for Zeke. But I went back and watched because a lot of people are asking me about what's going on with Mondre and, you know, why he's struggling as well. So I went back and watched uh, Ramondre Stevenson too, and he had more positive runs than I remembered. A lot of his negative runs came late in the game when they were trying to ice it and they're trying to milk clock and everybody in the stadium knew that he was getting the football, right? So that I find a little bit skewed. I well, thought, but that's also when you need to be able to run the football. But that's more about the blocking. And that's more about my, the line. That's fair. That's right? fair, like, but whatever, I, I want to point that out. When I, the whole world knows that 38 is getting the football yeah. and, and three guys are, are on him immediately, That I don't really know what a, any running back besides maybe Barry Sanders <laughs> is going to do about that, right? So I, I think that uh, I went back and watched his carries yesterday, and I, I felt like a, a little bit more positive. There were some six, eight-yard runs in there. There was one run, and you know I don't want to go to whole Ramondre thing yet, but there was one run that Ramondre last year probably breaks the tackle in the open field and gets another 10, 15 yards. But that that's maybe something he was speaking about yesterday, about getting back to breaking more tackles and things like that. But in general, with the offense, I was I, I felt a little bit optimistic about the way that they blocked in that game. Pass protection was still a little, you know, still a little iffy, but they've. I felt like they blocked a lot better in the run game, 
uh, the grades for what it's worth. The PFF grades did uh, bear that out as well. And the yards, you know, 157 yards on the ground that, uh, that bared it out too. And then on top of that, I, I don't think that he was perfect, and I think that there was a couple of downfield throws that maybe were on him. Uh, but in terms of uh, making good decisions with the ball and eyes in the right places, I still think your quarterback's pretty tied together right now. He's been good under pressure. Uh, he's been making good decisions with the football, like I just said. Uh, some of the things that have been off about the passes, and I know he completed, what, 50% of the passes, and here I am yeah. like gushing about him, but uh, some of the – things that were off about the passes weren't about you know poor decisions bad progressions like things like that it was more about some of the physical things that they're going to have to tweak moving forward uh and and receiver quarterback chemistry yeah that hopefully will improve so my, my whole thing with the offense i guess is to sum it up is that i think that there are things that we did see signs of improvement in and now if you can start to stack some of these things together you know they 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 hit the floor of like let's run block a little bit better let's yeah. not turn the ball over and now you can add to that maybe some more explosiveness in the passing game uh, they ran some under center plays like we were clamoring for last week they ran some play action like we've been clamoring for and they hit some plays off of it so i'm a little bit more optimistic about the offense and uh, you know, you, I think you'll like this because you 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 like it when uh, you know I, I trash on on uh, opposing coaches, and we always argue about coaching and stuff yeah. like that. I, 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 I actually th- like Robert Sala. Uh, okay, um, t- <laughs> I'm just gonna leave that there. I, 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 I like him less th- th- this year than I have in the past, but this is actually one of the few guys oh. that I generally don't like to take shots at. That's crazy. We okay. we are very on polar opposite well, sides I, of the spectrum. It's, on that it's one. changing, so we can get to that in a second. But you were gonna say about Sala. No, no, it wasn't about Salah. Oh. I don't respect Mike McCarthy. I don't think Mike McCarthy's a good coach. Oh, I can get on board with this one. I don't think Mike McCarthy does anything at all that resembles a good offensive coach, and that's his side of the ball. I don't find it to be any sort of innovative, creative, uh, dangerous, scary um, that the quarterback stands and turns around and hands the ball off to the running back. Ooh, do I have numbers for you? I Like, cool. They're a great running team. I don't think they're a great running team because of how they scheme it up in the run game. I think they're a great running team because they have a good offensive line. They have a good running back and Dak is a threat with his arm, right? Like you have to respect the fact that they have a good quarterback. Well, also Dak is a, can be a threat with his legs and sometimes they can go to that extra body in the box. Yeah, sometimes they do that, but very rarely these days because they're trying to protect the quarterback. But the general point that I'm trying to make is that this is what I've been saying all week. So if you've heard PU, yeah. then I'm repetitive. I'm sorry, but the general take is that I think that Mike McCarthy is going to play into your hands a lot in this game about keeping this lower scoring than the Cowboys probably should have it be right. Like the Cowboys in this game, if I'm the Cowboys, I'm looking at that, that stat that everybody here in new England constantly talks about with Mac Jones and the Patriots of 25 plus points. Right, if we get to twenty-five plus points, there's no way the Patriots are going to score twenty-six. Like we're going to win that game. Right. That's not how Mike McCarthy talks about offense. Mike McCarthy talks about offense like he cares about ball control, time of possession, running the football. It does. It's two old school coaching mentalities on offense. Love it. So, for what it's worth, like if you have one coach, two coaches that are both telling you the same thing. They want to play 
well in all three phases, complimentary football, you know, run the ball on offense, keep the defense rested. Like these are all the things that these coaches talk about. Yeah. Don't turn the ball over. If all of these things are, are, are what they believe it are, are kind of fundamental things of their, their programs. Then why would I expect to pick this game at 35, 21 or something like that? Right? Like why would sure. I expect the Cowboys to score a bunch of points? Yeah, all right, so real quick on the Robert Sala thing, because I'm sure people are going to be floored by that. Um, yeah. I liked his approach. I think sticking with Zach Wilson as long as he has is unforgivable. They weren't going to get somebody in week one, but, like, come on, man. Unquestionable starter, please. On McCarthy, he's my least favorite kind of coach, Evan. You, you know what kind wow. of coach I'm talking about. No, I, I wouldn't say he's my least favorite. I think it's pretty well established who that is, <laughs> at least currently in the league. Yeah. Um, but the coaches that— Guy in Los Angeles, Chargers. Correct coach in case people are wondering guys that come up as quarterbacks coaches ocs whatever it is with like an all-time great quarterback and then get hailed as this revolutionary so this is adam gase i mean adam gase is the big one but but i would say you know adam gase with with everybody with peyton with with a bunch of guys um i do respect bruce arians i don't trash him as much as these other guys but it's kind of the same thing yeah bruce arians his entire career had either first overall picks or Tom Brady. Right. And he won two rings. Yeah. That's not a lot. Um, some people would put Josh McDaniels in this category. Uh, McCarthy's another one. Aaron Rodgers. He, he he made his money working with Aaron Rodgers. And it's like, all right, well, did you come up with a bunch of crazy things on offense? Or is Aaron Rodgers just really freaking good? Yeah. And that's the kind of coach that bugs me. That's the kind of coach that, that drives me up a wall. So, and I think a lot of those times, those guys are, like you said, yeah. uh, and maybe it's not their fault, but you get used to probably at a certain point having that guy to bail you out. And suddenly, and I think Dak's a good quarterback. I like Dak. I do. But he's not Aaron Rodgers level. They also just don't give him an opportunity to bail him out. Like, they they run such a conservative well, offense. Well, I, I almost wonder if it's like, because they didn't always. I wonder if if there's a level of like he just thought that's what it was, and then suddenly Aaron Rodgers is not there, and yeah. it's not as automatic that you're going to get bailed out, and so now he's he's way more conservative about it. But yeah, he 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 goes into that bucket for me, guys. That just like you know, oh oh cool, you got to work with a hall of fa- a hall of fame top five in his era quarterback for your entire career, and now we're supposed to believe you're this offensive genius. It doesn't mean those guys like. I feel weird putting uh, uh, Arians in there. I think he has some stuff that he does that's unique. Yeah. McDaniels, I think there's some elements that Brady or not, Josh McDaniels brings an element to the game that's intriguing. Guys like Adam Gase, I, Adam Gase is purely Peyton Manning. Yeah. Purely Peyton Manning. I think McCarthy kind of drifts into that category where it's like, Aaron Rodgers aside, what what am I grabbing onto here? What am I looking at and saying, this is why this guy is a great coach? Yeah, I think with McCarthy... The one thing I will give him, and maybe it ties to the quarterbacks, like maybe it's not about McCarthy, is that his teams have been relatively stable, right? Like it's not like they're going to bottom out and win four games with him as the head coach. But I'm telling you, I've been banging this drum all week long. Their offense is rudimentary. It's high school. Like it is, and I say this, as you know me, I'm a huge Dak guy. Like I really like Dak. And so I say this from a place of like, why are you taking – it's frustrating to me to watch an offense that's as talented as Dallas that has what I think is a franchise quarterback, a top 10 guy in the league, 
a number one wide receiver has made two Pro Bowls already in C.D. Lamb, who's a hell of a player. They Their offensive line's banged up right now, which is partially why I like the Patriots, but in general, they have a, a really good offensive line, top five offensive line in football. They have a great running back, Tony Pollard. So they have all this talent on offense, all this talent, but yet the coach has decided to put the quarterback under center and turn around and hand the ball off 40 times a game. It makes no sense. It's not even it, that, it's though. It goes deeper than that. I, I, I think within the way they throw the ball, they're very conservative. Yeah, that, and, yeah. and maybe that's – so Kellen Moore was the OC there, and he came from Boise State in that light-up offense, and I think he brought an element to that. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I don't know if you've seen these numbers or not yet, Evan, but I'm going to give them to you anyway. Uh, intended air yards per attempt this season? Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Lowest so, of his career for so, Jack. Not just lowest of his career. So this is, for people who don't know, intended air yards per attempt is basically we're not including yards after the catch. Yeah. On average, how far does the ball go in the air every time he throws it? Uh, top. I, I want to give kind of a, a range of the leaderboard to give perspective. Number one in the league right now, and this is minimum 15 pass attempts per game. Uh, number one, Jordan Love. 10.6 yeah. yards per pass attempt. Yeah. That's high. That's incredibly high. Yeah. So good for him for that. It's just like a separate tangent. Good for him for that because that's a rookie, not a rookie, but like a first-year starter yeah. taking chances. Uh, you got Deshaun Watson, Jalen Hurts, second, nine and a half yards. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, Tua, that's your top five. Mac Jones is tied for ninth with yeah. Baker Mayfield at 8.3 yards per attempt, but he's throwing the ball 30 more times than Baker has. But that's where Mac Jones is, tied for ninth. Let's now go down to the bottom. 30th, Sam Howell, 6.7. 31st, Geno Smith, 6.6. 32nd, and this one's surprising, Joe Burrow, yeah, 6.5. He's hurt, hurt yeah. yeah. 33rd, Dak Prescott. So Burrow was 6.5. Yeah. Average air yards per attempt, 6.5 for Joe Burrow. Dak Prescott, 5.2. Right. The only guy lower than him, Anthony Richardson, 4.9. That is, it, it's not just down, it's... Low. Yeah. It's they well, are Well, he's only thrown eight deep balls the entire year in three games. They are not letting him use his arm at all. No. So and I don't and, and by is the it way, a Dak thing, like do do you think that they they work with Dak every single day? We always say this, right? Like they work with him every day. We see him every day right. in practice. Like maybe Dak's not as good as we think he is. Maybe and, and there was the quote everybody latched on to from the offseason that like I'm not gonna throw any more interceptions this year. And he's yeah. thrown one. It's it's three yeah. touchdowns to one pick. But like you watch this stuff closer than me. I wanted to ask you this. In my view of it, I don't think there's as many opportunities just based on the plays that are called yeah, for yeah. him to throw the ball down I, the field. So it's probably a little bit of both, but Man, give him a shot, right? Yeah. So every once in a while, they, thing if, they let they throw he throws some deep ball to CD Lamb down the right. sideline or, or Gallup or something like that or CD up the seam is obviously a, but like those are just intermittent shots that they take where basically Dak and the receiver just say we're we're gonna take a shot here and, and, and they go and do it. It's not schemed, right? Like there's right. no like schemed essence of opening space or going deep with the ball and you look at who their receivers are cd lamb is one of the best receivers in the league and he's just a well-rounded receiver he can absolutely handle himself down the field yeah brandon cooks is like your old school deep ball yeah. threat burner and michael gallops you're like big Devontae throw Parker. it up catch point yeah, yeah not quite as big but that like those are three guys that you should be throwing the ball deep to the outside of lamb kind of those are not yak guys yeah they're not those are guys that you want to be stretching the field and Maybe Dak doesn't look great with the deep ball in practice, but you, 
again, th- there's other quarterbacks on here that I understand why Washington wouldn't trust Sam Howell to throw the ball deep. It's a yard and a half more per attempt down the field. Like, yeah. that's my point, too. It's one thing to be like, okay, we're going to call it more conservative. There might be something to be said for that, depending on the situation. This is more than more conservative. This is, like, shockingly vanilla. Yeah, that's it's watching them. Yeah, I've watched them two weeks in a row because they played the Jets the week before. Right. So I've seen them against the Jets, and then I've seen them against the Cardinals. And my takeaway after the Jets, again, as somebody that is a big Dak fan, I want to see Dak succeed. My takeaway after the Jets was like, all right, well, they're playing the Jets defense. That's a great defense. Like maybe they just were conservative because they didn't want to test Sauce Gardner and the structure of the Jets defense down the field. Like nobody tests the Jets deep. Like that's not how right. you beat the Jets. Right? So maybe that's where their thinking was. But then I watched them against the Cardinals and it was the same thing. Like that's just their offense. And you know, I we got this great next gen portal now that they give to us and fifty percent of Dax throws are either into the flat, a slant, or a hitch. Fifty percent. That's all he he throws more flat routes than any quarterback in the NFL. Just dump it into the flat. A guy like Dak Prescott, to your point, who's got a ton of arm talent, yeah. right? Like this isn't. We're not talking about uh, you know what the what the Patriots did with Bailey Zappi last year out of necessity. And I think that that's like what's the frustrating part for me as a Dak guy is that. They're doing these things with Dak that aren't because they need to do them. Like, the Patriots need to right. play a certain brand of football because of their limitations on offense. Because that's who they have. That's their personnel. The Cowboys don't have a personnel shortage on offense. It's the opposite. But they're playing a Patriot-style offense. You know what I mean? Like, they're playing a and conservative like, brand of football anyways. I, I get the thing with Dak. And I wonder how much of it is tied to the turnovers. And could Dak throw less interceptions? Yes. But... Yeah. When you have that kind of quarterback and when you have those kind of receivers, that's sort of just it's like okay. I knock the Bills a lot. I take every chance I can to knock the Bills. You sure do. But also, I get called a closet Bills fan. So you might be. I I kind of believe that. I just like how they play. I well okay. So I'm going to give them credit for this. Yeah. Josh Allen turns the ball over a ton, but. Him at his best, that's just something you have to put up with. Yeah. And they've always just kind of accepted that and and let it happen. Yeah. There is something to be said for that. You want to play turnover free, but certain styles of football are more high risk, high reward. And if you have the talent to play it, the upside's worth it. I almost feel like the Cowboys are more afraid of the risk than they are excited about the reward with a guy like Dak Prescott. Well, the, and and I, that's how you end you have, up in this offense they're running right now. And, and a lot of those that you name, I know Mac is like toward, like near the top in that statistic. Top 10. But at, at the same time, like I wrote I wrote in my you know game preview, you had a 35-year-old Kellen Moore yep. who wanted to light up the scoreboard, quote-unquote, from McCarthy. Boise Air Raid, baby. Then you have a 60-year-old head coach. That wants to be more conservative. That wants to rest his defense. That wants to run the ball. Like it's just a, it's a different age. It's a different way of thinking. And McCarthy might win a lot of games this way because they have a good defense and they can be opportunistic on offense because they have a good a good offensive personnel, right? Yeah. So their offense is still a really good running team. They still score a decent amount of points. They kick a lot of field goals, but they still score. And they do this because. They do have really good personnel running this simplified watered-down system that's more conservative. So I'm not trying to sit here and tell you that Dallas stinks. What I'm trying to tell you is that 
the way that Dallas wants to play football, I trust the Patriots to be able to win a game like that. Yeah. I trust the Patriots defense to stop the run, the traditional run. And I don't think that they're going to unleash Dak as a runner in this game because they're, they're afraid of getting him hurt. So I don't think that they're going to do that. Afraid of everything with him right now. So they're going to, if they, if you want to play the Patriots by putting the quarterback under center and turning around and handing the ball off, the Patriots will, will play that brand of football all day, every single day. Like tell us where and when, and we'll be there. Right? Like that's, Jawan Bentley, Devon so, Godshaw, Dietrich Wise, Lawrence Guy, Jelani Tavai. Like, let's go. Roll the ball out then. Okay, let me ask you this, though. You don't think – because I, I, I think it's glass half full, glass half empty. You don't think there's any – I don't know what the word is. not danger, but, like, the Patriots want to make teams nickel and dime their way down the field, and their defense is predicated on you can't go on a 16-play drive, right? Like, you're going to screw up eventually, and we're going to capitalize. Yeah. But Isn't, the Cowboys have screwed up. That's the point. Okay, I, I I guess they're 27th in the red zone. They've kicked a league high 10 field goals, so they do screw up. I mean, Dak threw a pick. That, okay, that's fair. But I, I guess it's more like this is a team in the Cowboys that the Patriots are going to say march your way down the field, and the Cowboys will say don't mind if we do. I think that this is a team. I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, but I think that this is matchup just. And I don't. Well, no. There's an argument to be made both ways. So my, my point is, so you're yeah. more like the glass half full that like. Well, no, I I just think that like, it, it, I don't usually look at these types of stats when I yeah. think about games, but I did this time because of how the Cowboys play, and the Patriots and the Cowboys right now, both teams are top five in plays per game, like offensive plays ran so per game. The Cowboys. I was just texting with Matt Dollar from the Sports Hub. They're yeah. uh, they lead the league. I think it's like eleven point something in plays per drive. Right. So they lead the league, and uh, it's less than that. It's like 7.7. It, it was 11-something. They do lead the league in plays per drive. Yeah. Okay? And the Patriots are also up there in terms of raw plays ran a game. They both are over 70 plays a game. So these are two teams that want to shorten the game. The Cowboys only had eight drives last last week against the Cardinals. It's not because they didn't put up stats. Like they they ran the ball well. They put up some numbers. Like I think they were over uh like 350 or 400 yards of total offense, right? The the Cardinals also ran the ball well in that game. That was a quick game. Like you know we talk about like you know, not to cross sports. I know your station hates that, but the I don't mind the, it. The, the like the baseball pitch clock, like that's a baseball pitch clock version of a game, right? Yeah. Like we're over this in 2 hours, right? And they both ran the ball well. They both had limited possessions. They both had to possess the ball for, you know, a good amount of time. And that game just doesn't lend itself to a shootout. Like, that's not how shootouts are scripted. Shootouts are back and forth, you know, four or five play drives. Like, you're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Throwing the ball, keeping the clock stopped. If both teams want to march and both teams want to matriculate down the field and both teams want to possess it and both teams want to run it, that tells me that this game is going to be low. And and I should say, maybe most importantly, both teams have really good defenses. And I just think that the Cowboys, the the part that I, I pick on McCarthy with is that the Cowboys shouldn't play this way. They don't have to play this way, right. and they decide to play this way, but the Patriots need to play this way. Patriots are built to play this way. Right. So that's the type of matchup that if you're looking for a game that the Patriots can upset somebody on their schedule. They're six-and-a-half-point dogs in Dallas yeah. on Sunday. They're going to be dogs to Kansas City. They're going to be dogs to Buffalo both times. They're going to be dogs to Miami in a couple weeks again. Everybody should be dogs to Miami at this point. Those teams scare me, the bejesus out of me, because the Patriots can't score with those teams. 
The Patriots can't go up and down the field with Miami. They can't go up and down the field with Buffalo. This Cowboys team doesn't even want to go up and down the field. They don't want to be in a track meet. Right. So if that's the case, then I like the Patriots defense to stop the run. I think they they will stop the run. Even banged up up front. But the Cowboys are also banged up on that's their true. offensive line. That's true. And Godshaw's been out there. I, yep. I said earlier in the week, I said I would pick change my pick if Godshaw couldn't play. Okay. And I, I got snarky Paul at me. About oh, I'm sure Paul lo- uh, Oh, defensive tackle. Yeah, how much does Godshaw matter? He he matters because in this particular it's an game, old school he, game, he matters a lot. Yeah. And if you're going to come, I always, you know, you can say what you will about the Patriots defense against teams like Miami and Buffalo who spread you out and, and you know, go sideline to sideline and make you a run and chase and stuff. If you want to come right at the Patriots, their defense that that's going right into the, the power and the strength. It's basically of their defense. what the Jets did last week, right? They're going to send Juwan Bentley down the downhill at you. They're going to put their big bodies up front on the defensive line. They're going to make your yes. own every yard. So that's it. Uh, I don't, you know, we're going to talk plenty about Dallas and over the next two hours, but that that's the 30 minute version, not the, that, not the cliff notes version that I was going for shocker. Uh, but that's the, the long version of why I like the Patriots in this game to, to win. I picked them to win, but I at least think that this game at the very least is going to be competitive because if you look at the two rosters uh, between the Cowboys and we were talking about this yesterday off the yeah. air, if you look at the Cowboys and the Patriots rosters, and you're like, you know, doing Madden ratings or PFF yeah. grades or whatever like stupid metric you want to use. The Cowboys have a lot more talent than the Patriots. They just do, yep. especially offensively. Bill even said this week, he goes, they have a lot of star power. That's what they always have. Yeah, they have tons of star power. That's Jerry Jones's MO, right? Just like the head coach said, you know, that's how they're going to be build their their team. They're always going to have the Micah Parsonses. They're always right. going to have a Dak Prescott at quarterback. Like that's how they're always going to be. They have a lot more star power than the Patriots. They have a lot more top-end talent than the Patriots. So when you look at this matchup on paper, you're worried that the Patriots are going to get boat raced. Like, they just don't have the the horses or the personnel to run with Dallas. Like, they just are going to be overwhelmed by Dallas's star power. But I actually look at this and I say offensively, because I, I, I love Dan Quinn and I think he does a great job on the other side of the ball. So I'm not trying yeah. to take away from him. Offensively, I don't think that they use their star power. I don't think that they flex that bone as much as they should, or muscle flex that bone, flex that muscle as Good much job, as Doctor Evan as much as they should. So, I like the Patriots defense in this matchup. I think it's a good matchup for the Patriots defense, and I I think that they have a chance to really limit Dallas, make it hard for Dallas. Yeah. And uh, offensively, like I said, I, I like some of the positives that they showed last week in the run game. The Cardinals just ran for 200 yards against this Cowboys team. Now, I think the Cowboys will will course correct here on on defense. I I don't think they're going to get gashed on the on the ground like they did last week. But that's where like start hitting some of those play actions. Right. That's where that play right. action's got to come. So in. that it's not to me the other positive spin. I'm in a positive mood this week. Look for at some this. Reason. The other the I think that watching that film against the Cardinals. They really, really miss Trayvon Diggs because love Gilmore. Yeah. Love him. He's not at the peak of his powers anymore. He's not a true lockdown Trayvon Diggs style corner anymore. Is Trayvon Diggs lockdown corner? Yeah, he's gotten a lot better. Okay. He's, his rookie year, I know what you're he's saying. He's a ball hawk. I, yeah. I consider him more of a ball hawk than a lockdown he's, corner. His like coverage stats and stuff like that are significantly better than they were as, okay. as he, that he was as a rookie. Uh, but more importantly than just like his style of play, they had a bunch of coverage busts. 
they had they were trying to move guys all around the back end to figure out who's going to play where now without him out there. Like they came into the season, they were like, well, Gilmore's going to take one side, Diggs is going to take the other side, and we're set. Right. And now all of a sudden they have to do all these this moving parts and chess pieces and things like that. I, I think that the for the Patriots, no, they do not have a number one receiver that can now say, oh, I don't have to go against Trayvon Diggs this week. I'm going to go off. They don't have that guy. We know that. Kendrick Bourne. But I think that Bill O'Brien – is going to try to put that back end in a pretzel, yeah. right? He's going to test their ability to pass things off. He's going to test their on-field chemistry. Like he's going to, you're, you're almost saying he's going to spin the dial on offense. Correct. Whatever that means. I, I can't even comprehend what that would mean, but okay. So like, like route a, combinations a, a, and stuff. A good way to look at it is, yeah, exactly. Like, let's just take one example because I don't want to go down, like, yeah. you know, too much bunch formations they used them a lot in yep. week one against philadelphia they haven't used them as much the last couple of weeks because that's those are zone defenses with experienced secondaries and like they're going to be on their p's and q's when it comes to passing things like that off now you have all these new guys in in dallas gilmore just got there too so it's right. not like he's been in that system for very long we're going to put our guys in a three receiver bunch or like a triangle right who has who out of the bunch. Right. Break them all off each Right. Way. You know, we're going to run the, the inside guy's going to run outside. The outside guy's going to run inside. This guy's going to run a vertical. And how are you passing all of this off? And I do think that there's going to be some opportunities out of those types of looks. Now, the big caveat of all of my, my whole master plan of how the okay. Patriots can win this football game. The big, big, big caveat is obviously Micah Parsons. And yes. Micah Parsons is the one guy that has the capability to just take this game over. And that comes back to the star power thing. But most importantly, that's the one weakness, the Patriots offensive line and pass protection in particular, that they are going to have to scheme around. They're going to have to help. They're going to have to chip. They're going to have to slide protection. Like They're going to have to make sure that their focal point of their entire plan from a blocking standpoint is on Parsons so that's doable but he's the one guy that I feel like you know this could just he could just wreck this game and yeah. that could it could be that simple and uh, Bill O'Brien kind of said this in so many words earlier this week I'm just gonna I, I think he was hinting at this I'm just gonna say it bluntly they can have the perfect plan for Mike Parsons they could come yeah. up with something nobody's ever done and it's like the best possible way to take yeah. him out of the game and he still might have three sacks. Right. Like, he's just that good. At yeah. a certain point, he's just super talented. You can scheme all you want, unless you want to leave 10 guys in a block every play and trust somebody to win one-on-four down the field. Uh, you're probably not—he's going to get his, right? right. And that goes to your point. Like, you can game plan all you want. He just—he's going to do what he's going to do, and— Bill O'Brien said he's one of the five best players in the league. Mac Jones, I think, said he's the best player in the league. Yeah, I, I would say he, besides Mahomes, I think he's probably, if you're not, like, take the positional positional value, value, yeah. I think besides Mahomes, he's probably the best player so in the league. You, you have Mahomes, Parsons, and Justin Tucker as your top three players in the league, right? <laughs> of course. No, Justin Tucker fell off. He missed a couple kicks the other week. Yeah, he might be falling know. off. Um, no, if I, and if I'm the Cowboys, because part of what makes Parsons so dangerous in my mind is there are some great pass rushers in this league, guys like Miles Garrett. Right, we have yep. Matthew Where, Judon. right? But like Miles Garrett, Matthew, they're going to line up. Uh, yeah, over the left tackle. I, that's why I brought up Judon because I I figured this is where you're right. Going they're going to line up over the left tackle and they're going to yeah. pin their ears back and go. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, because so few guys like to be so good at that. That must take all your time to master. Right, Parsons can be anywhere. 
and be just as effective yeah. in all these different spots. And that's what makes him so different than a lot of these other guys. If I'm the Cowboy, and, and this isn't like, all right, one game he's going to be here, one game he's going to be here, we're going to like give him each week a different assignment. No, this is like play-to-play. Yeah. And if I'm the Cowboys, you you, talk, uh, you talked about you came in, looked like the offensive line might look different. There's been yeah. some reports out there that Cole Strange was limited to practice yeah. today, and he's been limited on the injury report all week. Left guard, right tackle. Yeah, I'm just putting Micah Parsons in one of those two spots and right. let him go to work. Yeah, that's that's the fear. Now, when it comes to left guard, whether it's Cole Strange, Antonio Mafi, City, yeah. whoever it is, there's a chance it could be somebody else other than Cole Strange. We can, we right. can say that. That's been out, reported and put out there and already. And he's been on the injury report. And he's on the injury report. I think, and I, I do want I, – I don't want to, like, pile on Cole Strange, but I, I do want to touch on that later on in the show. Okay. Just him individually. But the the big thing is is you know you're 100 percent right. Parsons is so versatile that they can go after the weak points of your line, right? Yeah. Like if you have a great left tackle, and I I don't know if Trent Brown's great, but he's good, and and he's one he's, of your. I mean, he's I'd say he's been great yeah, in the two games he's played, and he's one of your best, right? Yeah. So you're probably not going to put him over Trent Brown as much. You're probably not going to put him over center as much, right? Right. So to your point, left guard. And right tackle. Now, the good news is, if you want to call it that, I guess, for the Patriots, left guard, Andrews can help to the left guard. Yeah. So can Trent Brown. Right there. tackle, you can chip. You can leave a tight end in on that side. You could go 6-0 line, but they're just going to put him over the edge of the, of the sixth offensive lineman. Yeah. So it's really not much different. You, there's ways that you can help Vidarian low. And I think that from, you know, this is one of my key matchups. I'm sure it's one of yours as well. I, I got creative with mine this week, Shocker. Uh, th- me too, a little bit. This Ooh. this matchup, and I we'll get to those in a second. This yeah. matchup is as much to me about the coaching matchup with Micah Parsons as it is just blocking Micah Parsons one-on-one, right? Because yeah. it's Dan Quinn is going to be moving him around all over the place to try to go after the weak links Can I just on the say offensive line. Real quick, because yeah. I haven't been a big Dan Quinn guy in the past. We were talking yeah. about like kind of picking on McCarthy. Dan yeah. Quinn's done a very good job. Yeah, he's good. He's been excellent. And in he's Dallas. gotten more aggressive than his Atlanta days, and he's yeah. kind of learned from that sort of experience. And yeah, he's he's really good. He's going to lo- re- wow move Micah Parsons around a lot. And uh, he's going to pick on those two weak links in the offensive line. And the Patriots are going to have to have something up their sleeve in order to to handle it. Like, you know, something creative. It's This is not just like a, a simple, oh, let's just break down his pass rush tape and figure out what his go-to right. moves are. And like, no, no you got to have a creative thing. And whether it's like, you know, leaving the tight end over his side all the time to chip or to stay in, or it's like Zeke Elliott is Mac Jones's personal protector or something <laughs> like that. So at least there's a speed well, bump on the way to the quarterback or like whatever it is, it's got to be creative. Uh, and you're going to roll your eyes at this. I'm sorry, but it's true. The best thing the Patriots can do in this game is establish their run. Yeah, no, I agree with you. The best thing they can do, not fall behind early and, and run I've the come ball. come around and on the running game for this This team. is, I know, you're, you're. I keep like setting these up and you're just like, yeah, okay. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? I, they have to run the ball. You gotta I, be I able hate to it, but they have to run the ball. Keep it close, run the ball, takes Parsons out of the game, maybe upset his timing. The, the Cowboys yeah. are also, you kind of touch on this, not a good run defending team, but we talk about all the time with defenses, right? Throw the kitchen sink at them. Yeah. Right? Can you throw the kitchen sink? Can you empty? And we talk about that collectively with the defense. Like, can you spin the dial on the back end? Can you yeah. come up with these pass rush combinations up front and things like that? Micah Parsons 
is an entire kitchen sink that is going th- that is getting thrown at you just within himself. Yeah. And that is is there any other player in the league at least on defense that you can say that about? I think Tyreek Hill might qualify in that sense on offense, maybe Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. Being like that entire kitchen sink in one player, but this isn't a guy that you look at and say, "Oh, here's how we defend Miles Garrett. Here here's how we defend Bosa. Here's how we defend, you know, some of those other yeah. top passers cuz we know the Patriots do that. They'll kind of take things from game plans week to week yeah. for similar players. That doesn't really exist in this case. Micah Parsons is a unicorn. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 100% true. And I, I this is to me, and, and like we talk so much about like pass game schemes and route combinations and RPOs and play action and all this stuff when it comes to coordinators and Bill O'Brien. But this is like where OC, really good OCs yeah. really make their money. It's like, how are you going to neutralize a player like this? How are you going to attack a defense like this while not getting your quarterback? I wouldn't even say killed. Like, obviously, that's uh, true. Every, But you also just don't want Parsons to turn the ball over, right? Like, you don't want him to strip sacks, you know, force fumbles like all this type of stuff that explosive players like him can do he can't take over the game so whether it's all of it it's play calling it's strategy of how you're going to block him and who you're going to block him with it's it's all of the above with a player like that and I know like traditionally you would say oh well I just throw a bunch of screens or like whatever I I do think the Cardinals uh, hit them with a lot of misdirection in the run game which was really effective for them you know changing the point of attack inviting him up this field the field this way because we're actually trying to run that way like those are the types of things that I think you can definitely uh, try to exploit that the Cardinals did but we'll get to some more of that stuff with key matchups we also have uh, our studs and duds from last week but uh, we have some people waiting on hold so I I want to clear the phones first and then we'll get to some of the other stuff that we have on the docket uh ethan is in western kentucky if you're still there ethan i really appreciate you held on no i didn't think so that was like over now it was a call from pu so uh patty is in aguan what's up patty what's going on guys happy thursday happy thursday so uh one quick non-sequitur and i i hope to let me go on a little bit of a rant but uh how bad are the bears guys they're so bad that they signed Patriot legend Jawan Williams to their 53-man roster. Holy Christ. Well, they did that because they're playing the Vikings in a couple weeks, so they're going to interrogate him. Oh, nice. Um, Speaking of the Vikings, that's that's rant number one. So, uh, good segue, Alex. Evan Alex Frey. Evan, like you said before the season started, if Riley Reef is one of your guys, Frey, Frey, just Pray and pray. Keep praying that the Vikings lose, that they end up like 0-6 and 0-7. And our guy Justin Jefferson wants to shoot his way out of town. And I know it's a pipe dream. It's never going to happen. But just pray that it happens and pray that Bill would be willing to give up a first-round pick. And maybe, I mean, it's probably going to take a whole lot more. But just pray. Um, Now, you, you brought up Cole Strange. And I don't know what to say. And I think the guy sucks. And, uh, you know, partially, I don't think it's really partially his fault because you can't, you can't control where you're drafted. But much like Isaiah Wynn and like Nikhil Harry, I mean, you pick a guy in the first round, we've been, everybody, media fans have been ranting about this for years. You pick a guy in the first round, that's a guy you cannot miss on. And, I mean, I hope the guy figures it out. And I hope he comes back healthy, and I hope he's good. But as far as, like, where he was picked and how he's been playing the last two years, he's looking like 
Dolly Parton. You know, huge fun. And yeah. uh, as far as this game goes, I, Evan, I wish I would share your optimism a little bit. I think this is going to be one of those games that comes down to the wire, and Patriots have the ball last, and we're, we're going to we're going to be hoping that Mac can make enough plays. And until I see it, I can't believe it. Um, I'm picking the Cowboys to win 24-21, and I hope I'm wrong. But I love the optimism, Evan. That's all I got. No problem. Thanks for the call, Patty. And look, I understand if you're taking the Cowboys like that. I mean, they're the more talented team like that. That's that goes without saying. So I'm not trying to sit here and tell you that this is going to be an easy game to win for the Patriots. I just like some of the matchups. I like some of the the the, you know, the matchups, the X's and O's of it. I think it favors the Patriots a little bit to his point about Cole Strange. I wanted to bring this up anyway. So it's a good segue into Cole Strange. I, I. I'm not going to go on any, like, sort of, like, I don't want this to come off as, like, victory lappy, right? Because I didn't like to pick at the time. Uh, People that have listened to us, Alex, and that have been following us for since the Cole Strange draft, like, my reaction to Cole Strange Live uh, lives on YouTube somewhere. And uh, part of me is proud of it. Part of me is not proud of it. But the point is, is that I was very negative about the pick in the moment when it happened. And the biggest reason was not even about Cole Strange. It was more just about like the positional value of taking a guard in the first round uh, when you were a rebuilding team that needed so much more than just a guard. Right. And I think we're seeing this now with Christian Gonzalez where corner, we had corner as what? I, I don't want to speak for you, but like a top three need, right, for the Patriots because they didn't have much cornerback yeah. depth and they, and they needed corners. But it wasn't most people's number one need. Like, most people's number one need was tackle or receiver. And they took a corner, but they didn't just take any corner. They took the corner that was like a consensus, maybe the best cornerback in the draft that fell for God only knows why, right? Like, ridiculous reasons. Yeah. Like, his personality and, like, a lack of physicality in one game. And like, so much for that. Yeah, so, stuff like that. And it was abundantly clear that they, they took a blue-chip player. And Christian Gonzalez. So whether you liked the fact that they took a corner or a guy that was on defense, it was clear that they took a blue chip player and it was clear that it was a position where they need talent like that to run their defense, right? They need the Gilmore, they need the Revis, they need the Ty Law, and they they might have gotten one in Christian Gonzalez. So it was mainly about the positional value of the pick at the time that I hated so much. Now we're getting into the point where the kid might not even be able to play. Yeah. And I understand that he's injured. Uh, he was on the injury report with that knee injury. Uh, he was limited yesterday. He's probably going to be a, a limited or maybe even a DNP, probably limited today. I mean, he was out there. It's yeah. very rare we see players stretching and then they're DNPs. So probably limited again today. Uh, but the the main point of it is is that I, I don't think he looks like he belongs in certain areas of the game. I'm not saying that he can't play at all. I just I don't know if he's a starting guard in the NFL starting center like down the line maybe but now we're talking about like a couple years when david andrews retires i I don't want to rush david andrews out the door no he's one probably their best lineman through three weeks so that would be crazy to do yeah so the biggest issues that i see with cole strange and then you know obviously you give your opinion on it he plays too tall in his stance that's number one his pad level blows all right so he's got to get down in his seat a little bit more and he's also he's too thin still 
right? So he's an athletic guard. We knew that when they drafted him. Yes, there's like the whole zone scheme conversation, but in terms of just pass protection, and pass protection is pass protection. Whether you're a Shanahan tree team or you're an old school team like the Patriots tend to be or whatever, like you, whether you're a gap team or a zone team, everybody's pass protecting the same guys the same way. Except Mike Leach. Sure, except Mike Leach. So when I watch him pass protect, I see a guy that plays with his pads too high, and I see a guy that really doesn't have a good enough anchor. Like, he can't drop his anchor, and he so he just gives up ground in pass protection. And I his body type is really more almost of like a tackle now, or like a center. You know, I, I, so remember, he's just not beefy enough to play on the inside. That that's, that's what I'm getting at. When they drafted him, that was my initial reaction was, yeah. are they going to move him out to tackles? It's going to be like an eight solder kind of thing. Yeah. And just to combine a couple things you said there that are my big concern. I think like, like technically he could come along, but I mean, we, we have this talk a lot during draft season where we're at all different positions on the offensive line, on the defensive line, linebacker, corner receiver. Like I really like a player. And you'll be like, oh, but like, look at his size. He's too small. And I'm always very quick to say, get him in an NFL weight room. Yeah. Like rookie year, by the end of the rookie year, guys, usually you're 10, 15 pounds up. So you're looking at 170 pound receiver. You got to imagine him playing at like 185. You're looking at 210 pound linebacker. You got to look at him playing like 225, 230, right? Right. So when they drafted Cole Strange, I remember that was my first takeaway was this guy needs to get bigger. And it's like, all right, well, he's not going to be as a rookie, but he came in at 6'5", 305, and it's like, all right, if he can get up to like 315, 320, which right. isn't a re- unrealistic ask, I yeah, I can see it. He's still 305. Right. He's still, he didn't put on, I think he might be like 307 now. I don't want to shortchange him anything, but like, he's still playing in the body he played in, in co- he's listed 310 now, 6'5", 310. He's still playing the body he played in, in college. He's still playing yeah. the body he played in at Chattanooga, and that's not... In addition to kind of the the lack of power that comes with it, you said before, like, you know, he's been hurt, and let's give him the benefit of the doubt. When he gets back out there, maybe he looks better in year two, but why does he keep getting hurt? Because he's not big enough to play against, you know, 330-pound defensive tackles that have this crazy athleticism. And he misses time in camp. He missed a lot of time in camp. He misses the start of the season. He missed time last year. He hasn't been able to develop probably as much as he. This year's training camp was going to be incredibly valuable for him. Yeah, in terms of his with development. Clem and a real offensive line coach. Right, yeah. and he missed it. Yeah, and that was because of the injury, and the injuries are becoming a thing with him now. That's my bigger worry than anything else. It, it's not necessarily. I do think maybe his level of play needs to be higher. I, but my bigger worry beyond that is how is he going to get to that point if he can't stay on the field? I, I just. I'm getting to the point now with the Patriots this season with Cole Strange that if it's truly, truly injury related and we're not, we're not talking about let's take performance out of it for a second and it's truly injury related, then shut him down and shut him down, get him healthy. Right. Like, you know, what, what are we doing? But, but I wonder if they see it as they can't, can he afford to miss that much more time? Because so, he's so got to get better. Maybe they just carry him on the active roster so he can practice. But he, you know, they let Mafi play in the game because he's healthy. That's benching. That that's benching. So my fear is that he's being benched. That's my. But fear. what you just described is a bench. If for maybe different reasons, but that's a benching. Yes, but my fear is that it's not because of Ill, of injury. My fear is that he's being benched because Mafi might be better than him. That's my fear. Why is it, but that would be a good thing. 
I, it, it's it, not. It, it it's, wouldn't be a good thing because well, they just used a first round pick on the okay. kid a year ago. But in the content, I I guess that's how so, you want to look at it. I would say, yeah. Look, I think, and this team was predicated on this for a long time. They've maybe gone away from it in recent years. Doesn't matter if you're the first round pick. Doesn't matter if you're the last UDFA that oh, was signed. I, I, I hear you from like a an in season win football play game the better player like 100 how many times have we pulled our hair out because they're not playing the better player 100%. because but of from a team contract or draft the fact that they whiffed on a first round pick in the middle of a rebuild yes they is, blew they, they blew another draft pick yeah sound the alarms right but it's but, a first round pick alex it's not just another draft pick. I, right but I, it happened that's yeah. kind of that would be my point it's like yeah they did it happened okay and they can't go back and change the pick well, and this is why you don't take guards in the first round. Because Antonio right. Mafi might be better than But him. you said you didn't want this to be a victory lap, so I'm trying to save you from that. I'm not trying to take a victory lap, but I, I want to like I, I would I, say I don't want to talk about the, the draft pick in two years ago and, yeah. and take it. The the bottom line is is that I don't think Antonio Mafi is ready either. I think in pass protection, uh, he needs to get his feet faster in pass protection. Like he can't move he doesn't move well. Right. He doesn't move well side to side. He's probably more of a right guard than a left guard. He just doesn't move well. And that needs to change. But with that being said, he doesn't get walked back into the quarterback and he doesn't lose ground in the run game. He's a cinder block. He's a solid cinder block. So if you can help him protect his edge by opening David Andrews to his side or you know doing different things to help him so that he's not just one-on-one in pass pro against Quinton Williams like he was one time last week and it did not go well. Obviously, it probably won't for most right. rookies in that spot, but the point is it did not go well. He is at least I'm confident that Antonio Maffi is not going to get walked back into the quarterback, right? And as a pass a pocket passer, he needs to have a clean interior of the pocket. Yeah, he ha- Mac Jones has to have a pocket to step up into. He just has to. And so if you're going to tell me that Antonio Maffi might get beat to the left or beat to the right every once in a while, but up the middle, he's going to be solid. I would take that over Cole Strange right now. And I think he's also a better run blocker, and we talked right. about earlier how important it is this team needs to... to, to um, I'm also curious... Uh, uh, run the ball. No, yeah. it's funny. Like I think we have the exact same take. I just have it positively. <laughs> you have it negatively. Like I have it I'm negatively just saying, because like, you, can't, you can't burn a, a top 30 pick when you're in the middle of a rebuild. You just can't. You're right. But I, I get, And I don't disagree with that. I think my take is more like I've seen them too many times do that and then still force the issue with the player where I'm like, all right, he's not going to work. Maybe they've recognized it and they're moving on. And in which case, yeah, I would rather see them do that than continue to try to make Cole Strange work if he's not going to work and just be like, well, you got to save the pick. It's a first round pick. Ship sailed. You missed the pick. You got to, you know, Fine. acknowledge it. Move on. Fine. Uh, I also, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind if he if he's healthy and had a concussion protocol and all that, obviously, which I hope he is soon. I, I wouldn't mind like City So getting a, an opportunity at left guard either, because So is a is a lot more athletic than Antonio Maffi. He's not a, yes. he's not as strong. Obviously, he was one of the top combine testers. Yeah, for all the a lot line. more athletic at that spot, and he played left guard in college. That's his natural position is yeah. left guard. So I wonder if he also gets a look there at some point too once he gets healthy. Yeah, he's just got to get healthy. And uh, Tim emailed in and said, I am taking a victory lap. I really tried not to take a victory I, I, lap. I, Evan, look, I tried kind of walking you around it, but when you make it about what happened two years ago and not what's happening right now. I'm just calling a spade a spade. 
You can't blow. Uh, you're you, talking to the guy. I, look, I. You can't blow that pick. You know how you I just am. Can't. I, I, I've done a victory lap or two in my life. I know a victory lap when I see it. That, that was, was a not, little bit I, of a victory I, lap. I was really trying not to do that. I, that wasn't you tried. The point. You tried. That wasn't the point. But you. You. I, you it, had it. Faith is saying it was a victory lap too. You. You. You were. You were good. Dang up it. until like the last part, and uh, you. You took like so one more step than you needed to. Because you it's almost so had frustrating. It. They were. They were. Okay. I'm not That's why I tried cutting I'm not going to do it. If, if, I'm not you do just it. Said, if you had said good for them for recognizing he's not a player and moving on, you could have stopped right there. I can't give him that. I can't give him that. It's still too It's still too fresh. That's where it's it becomes a victory fresh. lap. All right, let's take a call from uh, Tommy in New Jersey. What's up, Tommy? Hey, guys. How are you all today? We're good, hey. thanks. Good. Hey, um, I just want to give you all some props, man. Like, when I'm watching the games on Sunday, I've always been, like, real into strategy and seeing things and I have to say like your podcast and your show does a great job of making me see the game more in that light um thank you that's awesome that's what that's what I want that's the show literally to be. the purpose of the show so thank you we appreciate yeah, that it, 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 it's unlike anything else out there I mean granted I don't really follow any other team but as far as that regards like it it really like satisfies that craving for like strategy in my life thank you um one subject I want to touch on, and I know this has probably been hashed out already, but I just kind of want to hear y'all's take on it. You know, Bill gets a lot of grief for not being a great, like, identifier of offensive talent, I think, time to time. Um, But that hasn't always been the case. I mean, from 2007 to 2012, we witnessed probably some of the most potent offenses we had seen in NFL history before from the Patriots. And a lot of that had to do with, like, personnel decisions, um, as well as schematic. You know, they, they did a lot of stuff at that time that was really innovative, like the one-word play calls, you know, with the hurry-up, and then going away from the wide receiver-based offense to the more two-tight-end offenses. I guess what I'm getting at is why did Bill lose that touch on being ahead of the curve when it came to offensive football? And why hasn't he been able to recapture that mojo? It's almost like he went backwards in his thinking. Yeah, it, it, that's a good point, Tommy, and thanks for the call and, and thanks for listening. I, I think the biggest thing with Bill and offense is that in those those that time period, right, we're talking about yeah. Randy Moss, right? You know, yeah. you're getting Randy Moss and, and uh, you know, res- the resurgent Randy Moss at the time right. and rescuing his career. And then we're really talking about drafting Gronk. Yeah. And – those two guys, and this has always been my gripe. And, with and Welker, and finding Welker, and finding Welker. I, but those, but finding Welker, finding Edelman, I, I, those, those are a little different. Though, but but in general, like yeah. finding those guys, are I think that they have those tertiary pieces right now. Like I think that if you had, uh, no one's Randy Moss or Rob Gronkowski, right. so let's not use them. But like if you Justin had, Jefferson, if you had Justin Jefferson, sure. If you had Justin Jefferson, and now. Kendrick Bourne and Juju and Pop Douglas and those guys are all like your two through four on your depth chart. Right. Then I feel like they're they're in a caliber that those guys could potentially be those secondary receiving options yeah. for this team. What I think that Bill misses now when it comes to offensive talent is that he had unicorns on offense. But he hasn't really gone out now and aggressively pursued unicorns again. Like, right. obviously he had a unicorn at quarterback. We all know that. But you can't just recreate Tom Brady. So that's that's its own thing. 
but he had a unicorn at quarterback. He had a unicorn at tight end. He had a unicorn for a little bit at receiver. And those guys are not on this team anymore. But right? I think like they, the question... And they, and they haven't really tried. I think the question was more, why hasn't he been... Like, he found all these unicorns before. Why can't he find... Because Gronk in the second round. He got Randy Moss for a fourth-round pick. It's not like yeah. he paid premium assets. Yes. I would say it's not a Bill Belichick. I, I don't know that it's, he can't find these guys anymore. I think it's that they're more valued now and Randy Moss isn't getting traded for a fourth round pick in today's NFL. Like I get he had the down years with the Raiders, but at the time it was, yeah, this guy's had a couple down years. There's like risk here. We don't really want to deal with that. Now somebody will pay and take the risk. Right. A guy like Rob Gronkowski, even with his back issues, might is, still be a first round might pick. Might is probably still going to be a first round yeah. pick because Teams are going to see what that potential looks. You look at a perfect example here. Jackson Smith and Jigba yeah. didn't play an entire yeah. year in college, and he still went in the first round. Right. Ten years ago, that guy doesn't go in the first round. Teams look yeah. at that and say, you sat out the year. We don't know. So right. I actually, this isn't necessarily to defend Bill. Uh, I don't think it's that he can't find the unicorns anymore. I just think they cost it. it, it it's I, well, it's so, reframing it. So because I, you know, I got a pile on here. Yeah. The... He doesn't want. He hasn't adjusted to the cost of of the market. At, right. At, at teams specific. teams are better at identifying those guys now than they were. So those right. guys now cost more, and Bill's not he either investing I, as much. I, I, he does. I don't think he ever did. To your point, right? Like he traded a, a fourth round pick for Randy Moss. He got Gronk in the second. No, but round. that that is my point. Is right. I, I'm agreeing. Right, okay. With yeah, you. yeah. Those guys the, aren't available for that price. Right. So now the market has changed and shifted to now these guys are first round picks, locks, or they're yeah. twenty million dollar receivers, and he's still trying to pay the same price point that he paid for Randy Moss in two thousand seven, right? Right, and, exactly. And, and like that's like what happened with Hopkins. Right, right, right. And, so that's that's the mar the market has changed, and I don't necessarily know if it's that he doesn't recognize it because I give him he's way smarter than that. Yeah. So I, I don't say that by any means i think he recognizes it i just don't think that he sees the value in it like i don't think he thinks that those guys are as valuable as other teams do right and so that's the question of it's not like oh he's an idiot he doesn't see it no one's saying that it's is he right is he right, right. are they really not as valuable as we think because i think in bill's mind he looks at it and says, and I'm you know, speaking for him now, so I don't know this for a fact, but I think in his mind he looks at it and says, there's not that big of a difference between the receivers that I have and the receivers that they have. We look at it and say, there's a huge difference, right? Like we're talking about a, a mountain in between Tyreek Hill and the number one right. receiver on the Patriots. Bill looks at it and looks at it differently. And that's just that's a philosophical difference well, I, between the way that most teams operate now and the way the Patriots. I don't are think that he thinks that there's not that much of a difference in terms of their ability. I think it's impact on the game. It, right. It comes yeah. down to usage, and it's well, if I use this guy this way, I'm going to get right. this kind of outcome. To the first point that that caller made, though, somebody tweeted at me during the game on Sunday and said, you know, I, I think it was it was when they started running like the under center play action stuff. They're like. Yeah. 
great. I listen to Catch-22, and it's like I know what to expect when they get – that was like the biggest compliment. Yeah. They were like, yeah. it's like I, I no. hear on Thursday, and I know what I'm going to see on Sunday, and yeah. boom, there it is. It's like one for one. Uh, that was such an awesome compliment. Whoever tweeted that in, thank you. That was yeah. really cool to see. Yeah. That's what we're going for. That's here. what we want. You know, that that's the show. I do want to get into some of that play action stuff. All right, we're going to talk about it, but let's clear the lines. A lot of people yeah. calling in today. Love uh, it. John is in Louisiana. What's up, John? Hey, what's up, yo? How you doing? The funniest thing is that I learned about Evan was when Cole Strange got drafted and your face is on a monitor. He was just like so depressed at the pick. <laughs> We're not victory lapping today, John. I'm not doing it. You're right. You're right. You're right. My, 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 my. <laughs> but I just had to get on wild tape. And don't kill me for this. Cause I know y'all don't like him. I don't think that Nikhil Harry was the injury. One game that I think about was the Indiana game where they threw the bomb when we lost. I think that's how we're supposed to be used, not in a slot in catching destiny, but I'm going to take it off the line. Don't kill me, y'all. <laughs> okay, John, thanks for the call. I, I hear what he's saying. You know, Nikhil Harry yeah. agrees with him. <laughs> I, you know, I've said that for a long time. Yeah, Nikhil Harry thinks that he was used incorrectly uh, here with the Patriots and wasn't developed properly, and maybe there is some truth to that. Uh, but if it it hasn't caught on anywhere else, right? So that's the thing that works against him in that argument is like, okay, so does no team how to use you know how to use you correctly, or do you just don't have it? You well, know? I, I think if he had been used better, maybe he developed. Like, I, I I don't know that there was ever a right way that that for that pick to turn out, but I do yeah. think a big part of it was. His usage was wrong. It stunted his development as a player. I I actually kind of agree with that. I don't disagree with that. I think that in in general, like we're we're kind of getting to the same place. But for me, it was always the scheme fit. Right. Right. Like, he just didn't fit what they wanted that position to do. They were they thought of him as this oh big outside receiver. He can block. He can go win at the catch point. And like the idea of that I can understand what they were going for. Uh, but they in order to use a high pick on a receiver, this team needs to be looking for route runners, IQ players separation yeah like traits like that you know traits i uh, like the guys that have succeeded here you know i always say uh it gonzo is a rookie of the month and and one of the rookies of the month in the patriots history is Dion branch yeah and i was like let's like can we just recreate Dion branch right i'm not asking for randy moss i'm not asking uh for a superstar receiver you know justin jefferson but like Dion branch was a great patriots receiver because he was a great high iq football player plus he had athleticism and speed and all those types of yeah. things too so that's why i love zay flowers so much for them right it was because it's that combination of things okay Pop Douglas. Pop Hopefully Douglas. Hopefully becomes Hopefully. that guy. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. All right, Todd's in North Carolina. What's up, Todd? Yeah, so I was trying to ask you guys before a little bit about, uh, well, not you guys, but the PU crew about yardage and such like that. And I was hoping to get a little bit more information. You, uh, hearing Perillo say that, well, if we get two uh, interceptions or good turnovers and we can, you know, turn the field over and score touchdowns, we can win. I was like, uh-oh. So really, you know, this game is, seems like it's going to come down to who's going to make the first big mistake and and where it goes from there. And if that's the case, I'm a little bit nervous because I think our guys are a little bit more prone to making mistakes. And I think that's been part of the problem with the culture here in New England for the past four or five years is nobody keeps people accountable. It seems like mistakes are made, overreactions are done. It's either too far one way, too far the other way. And nobody's just held just like, okay, what's going on? Why did we do this? What was done? It doesn't seem to get corrected. It just seems to be everything's reactive. There's nothing proactive with respect to that. I don't know what you guys think of that. Thanks. Thanks for the call, Todd. Yeah, Todd had asked uh, on PU about he had like a 400 yard threshold yeah. for this game, and I don't know. I, I total. Yeah, like <laughs> I might he, buy that. I, I he just 
I don't know. I, I don't really like know how to what to do with that. Like, okay. yeah. But anyways, uh, to his point about like holding people, I feel like we get this type of question in some way, shape or form a lot about, you know, the mental errors and like the turnovers and this didn't that wasn't Patriots football in the Brady years. Right. They never turned right. the ball over. They never had these mental issues. So, like, it's the same head coach. So why are these things happening? And because it's the same head coach. And because they're preaching the same things, I I have to think that sometimes it's just when you're punching above your weight talent-wise, you're trying to make plays, you're pressing, you're trying to do things that maybe are outside of your purview a little bit, and so you turn the ball over, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you, Pop Douglas is a perfect example in that Miami game. He cuts back, you know, makes a great uh, – runs a good route, gets open, catches the football, and then he cuts back and he tries to take off for the end zone. And he said after the game that he saw the end zone, he saw nobody in front of him, and his eyes got big, and he just started running towards the end zone. And I'm not saying that Pop Douglas should have caught the ball and gone down to protect the football or anything like that, but those are the types of things that I feel like happen, and then he fumbles because – he's still a rookie and he's still developing and he's not, he's not there yet. Right. You know, he's not. So I think what they had really good players for 20 years and those really good players could Gronk could go up and moss somebody and then drag six guys with him and not fumble because he's Rob Gronkowski and he's going in the in the pro football hall of fame. Right. Like that. And I think that sometimes with the Patriots now, people label them. And this is like kind of a pet peeve of mine lately. People label these things as self-inflicted wounds, the turnovers. Right. Like this interception was a self-inflicted wound. That fumble was a self-inflicted wound. I don't necessarily look at it as self-inflicted. I look at it as the Devontae Parker interception. Yeah. Mac Jones trying to make a play. They haven't made a play all night. Right. He's trying to throw it up to the guy that's supposed to be his top outside re- contested catch receiver. And Devontae Parker lost to Xavier Howard. And sometimes it's not any bigger than that, right? Like, it's just your guy was not as good as their guy on that play. And I feel like to, to people that was a bad decision by the quarterback, a bad route by the receiver, and, and like it could, all could have been better and then it wouldn't have happened. Or maybe they could have a better player in that spot. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like the self-inflicted label gets thrown well, around a lot, and I don't think that's what it is. I think some of them are. I, I, I think to say none of the turnovers, none of the penalties are self-inflicted wounds is, you know, you got to go on a play-by-play basis. But people don't want to use nuance when talking about this team. Yeah. No, that I, I would agree. With you. The self-inflicted wound wasn't Tamara Douglas's fumble. The self-inflicted wound was benching him for the rest of the game. Sure. Sure. Yeah. That that's fair. All right, let's get to our uh, our studs and duds from last week. Uh, an hour and ten minutes into the show, we're getting to what we were supposed to lead with the show. That's that's the that's also Patriots catch twenty two. Yeah, right again, there it's for, this organization thing you're doing is is totally going to work. All right, three studs. Yeah, I'll go first with okay. my my first stud of yeah. this game, Juwan Bentley. Okay, I thought Juwan Bentley was fantastic in this game. I thought he absolutely read the Jets' run game like a book. I think he knew where he was supposed to be, when he was supposed to be there. This is part of the reason why I'm a little bit confident in this Dallas game is because if you're going to come right at Jawan Bentley, Jawan Bentley is going to make you pay all game long for that. I thought he was really good in this game, and uh, I thought he was you know, just someone that you could tell has played this Jets team a lot, has played this scheme a lot, uh, read it well, 
block deconstruction, slipping into gaps, stopping the run. I thought 1.9 yards a carry for the Jets in a game that they needed to be able to run the ball. I thought the reason why they couldn't run the ball, if I had to say who was the biggest reason for that, I would give it to Juwan Bentley. Yeah, I'd agree with that. He's been, you know, there's a lot of hype about him in the offseason about like, hey, you know, he's kind of one of the best kept secrets in football. And, you you know, he was thought of as this just like thumper linebacker for a long time. And he's really yeah. rounded out his game. You're seeing it like that wasn't all just hype. There's there's real substance behind that. All right. Your turn. Christian Gonzalez, man. Oh, yeah. He was on he my was, list. He, he was excellent again against yeah. a really good receiver in Garrett Wilson. Uh, just continues to check boxes. I think he's got another big test coming up this week, but... You could argue that this was his easiest test of yeah. his career so far, and it's going up against thousand-yard receiver, rookie of the year, and easiest doesn't mean easy. Right. I mean, Garrett Wilson's still really good, but AJ Brown, Tyreek Hill, like, yeah, and, and plus the quarterback throwing the ball. Well, that helps, but no, yeah. but but that's the only reason why he was he's on my list, but he's third because of the, of the Zach Wilson. Pack. See, I I kind of downplay that because maybe statistically that comes in, but. The route being run is the route being run, regardless yeah. of who the quarterback is. And I thought Absolutely. Gonzalez did a good job sticking with him. I did, too. I thought he was great in this game, too. I think what's the two things that have surprised me the most about Christian Gonzalez, because we both loved Christian Gonzalez. I'm not surprised that he's a good player and, and that he has talent and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the mental side of it has really surprised me, and, and I wonder, not to take anything away from him, but I do wonder like if they are kind of easing him in on that side of things of him being like, just you got this guy, right? Like, you know, and just trying to simplify it a little bit for him just so that it doesn't come into play. But the fact that they he has played, what, all but one snap and when it was like a goal, was line. A goal line snap, yeah. yeah. He's played every snap but one, and I have never written down – like bust coverage bust or like miscommunication or anything like that with Christian Gonzalez. This is the guy we thought he was going to be. Remember we were talking about back in April, first round picks got to be a 90% yeah. usage rate guy, a guy you can lean on in this and that's yeah. what he's been. Yeah. He does it. They're not yeah. using him like they use rookies. Yeah. And I remember uh, talking to his, uh, his college coach at, at Oregon who coached him at Colorado and at yeah. Oregon. And he said that he kept Christian Gonzalez's uh, notebooks to show the kids that are at Oregon now. Yeah. Because Christian Gonzalez would take such meticulous notes in uh, in the classroom, in the film room, and in the meeting rooms that that was like the model to the to the his coach. Right. I'm blanking on his name right now. I apologize, but he that was Christian Gonzalez's like study habits were what this coach wanted every player's study habits to be. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, I, that's a that's a patriot, right? Like that's a patriot type of player. But in general, like in terms of him being like together with the rest of the group and not busting yeah. coverages and not, you know, having things like that happen. I think it it, ha it goes back to his study habits. Like he's on it, you know, yeah. he's really on it, really mature kid. He's been excellent. Uh, th he fits the scheme like a glove. Like it's just a perfect match made in heaven. It really yeah. is Uh defensive rookie of the month. I, I think a step really towards rookie of the year defensively. I don't think that it's crazy to start talking about that. I know it's three games in, and I'm not putting him in Canton, right? Like I'm not right. like I'm I'm giving him rookie of the year. I'm not putting him in the Hall of Fame. I, I think that he has a real chance to win that award. I mean, it's I it's just tough because it always goes to pass rushers, but like he should be in consideration. Like that's yeah. the only reason why I think he's not the favorite right now is just historical context. They rarely give it to corners. Yeah, I look at like Stephon Gilmore as defensive player of the year season. Right, same and, thing. And it's totally different 
defensive player of the year and rookie defensive player of the year are totally different things. No, right? but it's, it's the same idea. That's a award that usually you got to be better than the best guy because yeah. positionally it usually factors one way. Right, and the point is is that people recognize okay in Belichick's system the number one corner is a big big deal. Yeah, and Gilmore played it at such a high level that he was a deserving defensive player of the year. I, I think that Gonzalez is on a similar track amongst rookies that that could be in play. All right, uh, so Gonzalez is third on mine, so I'll, okay. I'll just skip him again because we just talked about it. Uh, Trent Brown. Okay. Trent Brown was my next one. Uh, thought he was fantastic in this game. Uh, pass protection clean sheet for a left tackle in an NFL game is rare, and I know they only threw the ball 29 times or something like that, but he had 19 straight dropback pass reps, right? No screens, no play action, yeah. no RPO, just straight dropback, clean sheet, dominated the matchup against Carl Lawson and Jermaine Johnson. Uh, amazing footwork in his uh, in his kick slide. I use a lot of vertical sets where he just kicks right straight back. And he's just one of those guys that's just so freaking big that he's just going to he's just gonna eclipse the quarterback, right? Like, you're going to have to come through me to get to the quarterback. I'm not going to come to you. You're going to come to me. And he, he did a great, great job in this game. A couple of the combination blocks that he had were like, offensive lineman highlights yeah. right those are hard to find sometimes but you can get on a double team and move the line of scrimmage and push guys six seven eight yards off the ball uh, those are offensive lineman highlights uh, from Trent Brown I thought this was the best game I have personally ever seen him play oh wow that's I mean he plays yes. some really good games here in 2018 so that's high praise yep uh, I think it was, it was the best I've ever seen him play and one of the better tackle games wow. I've seen from a page Evan saying put the tape Go run over to the hall. You're saying put the tape in the hall? It was fantastic. All right. He did have the one caveat, because you're, you're telling me I'm being too positive. The one caveat is that he got the easier matchups, right? Like the hard, right. the, the John Franklin Myers and Bryce Huffer, their two best pass rushers off the edge, they rushed over the right tackle in this game. So I thought you were going to say the one caveat is the false start, and I actually nope. – it's I I don't care at all. No, because I I was watching the game with some people like, oh come on, what a dumb penalty. Yeah, I don't care at all about Trent Brown getting the false starts because every tackle in the league does this right so now. I, or the good ones. So do. when I watched it back, I initially didn't even think he false started. I didn't think so either. But I just I want to explain this because people want to get oh Trent Brown yeah. the penalties he's not that good. Every tackle in the league, yeah, is trying to leave half a beat early, and for the one time you get called for that in a game. It's worth it. It's worth it for the 30, 40, 50 something times you do it, you don't. I agree. I could not. That is a worthwhile more. penalty. I do not care about it happening in an opportune time. That sucks. Yeah. I could not care less about that penalty. And all. it was so close that I had to go frame by frame to see the ball I, move and see Trent move. It was that close. I honestly wonder if it was one of those ones where, like, he was getting a little too egregious in the snaps leading up, so they called him just to check him. Yeah, I, and, I, I think so. Because yeah. the way the Jets players reacted was like, finally, they called right, him for yeah. it. So my guess is that. But, right. but, and that's what it's going to be. If yeah. you're going to kind of leave that half beat early all game and you got to get called once as a check, I yeah. think you take that 100%. All right. Yours. Last uh, one. Not, no, I, this is my second. Oh, right. Because I, I, yeah. But I right. kind of butchered it too. Uh, not <laughs> Trent Brown. Yeah. Pharaoh Brown. And I didn't have him, but I figured you would. So, so here we go. It, it 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 goes a little deeper than just like look the the fifty eight yard catch and run is awesome. And for yeah. a guy that's six six two sixty, he was moving. I'm not saying his top like he's not going to go win the he's not going to go win the forty, but like that's a good top gear for a guy his yeah. size. Yeah. Uh, the the usage too. We talked about it last week. Can we get a traditional fullback in there I and know. go? And so I guess this is Pharaoh Brown slash Bill O'Brien. Yeah. 
I love that they were using him as a traditional fullback. Nice right not, not just because it's set up to play action, but like that should be a thing. I hope yeah. that's not a one and done. No, it, I, wa- I don't think it can be. I want to see them lining up in the eye with, with, with Zeke or Ramondre behind Pharaoh Brown and, and pounding the rock. And I was so excited when I, before the touchdown, I, I was ready to put Pharaoh Brown as an up because I got so excited when I saw that. So yeah. the catch and run's great. I'm not saying that that wasn't good, but like, the usage, Pharaoh Brown, Bill O'Brien, love that wrinkle. That's awesome. Keep keep bringing I, that back. Yeah, that was one of my points in game observation. I was giddy about it too. I mean, that's exactly what we've been looking yeah. for. Uh, th- so the, the I wonder. Um, I forget. Uh, I think you coached at Howard. There's like a college coach that invented this this formation. Yeah, and I forget what it's called. Um, but basically, it's a shotgun, right? Because yeah. all these teams run spread, right? So no, right. nobody's under center in college. So it's shotgun with the running back offset as usual. But then the fullback will line up in front of the running back. Oh, the um, uh, the Giants run that. Yeah, it's like a, I, I I'll look it up and I yeah. and remember it. I w- they did it with Cam. Yeah, and McDaniel's did it. They would do with the, uh, with Jakob Johnson. Yeah, in 2020, I would love to see that. And then and now we get like real Evan yeah. Fever dream because then you get the RPO attached to off it, of that, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then you have the lead blocker, and you do lead RPO. Of, well, you can also now you, you now, can, now I need to you can build down. some motions into that. Too, yeah. And, all right. Yeah. All right. All right. So I had Christian Gonzalez yeah. as my third up, and so I had three in case there was overlap and. The one overlap, I already burned mine. Um, I, I'll just go real quick. Kendrick Bourne, I thought, really good against Sauce Gardner. Yeah, he had some good routes He was excellent Sauce. in that game. Yep. I, this was Zeke's best game, and uh, yep. I think he's getting going yep. now. Although, the one run, I thought if he just – the big run he had, I think, was in the yeah. third quarter to the left. If he stays to the – why did he cut back in? I don't know. I felt like if he stayed to the outside, he's know. just Ramondre gone. Andre does the same thing. Okay. I, I, I can't – I don't know. It was too early in the game to be like, I don't want to go out of bounds. No, yeah, no. And he should have kept running to the I thought maybe the there was a safety that wasn't on the TV copy, but I no. didn't see that, so nope. that was weird. You um, saw it right. And then uh, – so I'm going to make this my third because I want to correct some people. A lot of people knocking Bryce Barringer in this game. Because, like, why is he only kicking the ball I, I, to the – fit? Let's let's clear the table for Alex for this one. Why right, is he right, only kicking the, Bryce Barringer. Why is he only kicking the ball to fifteen? He's not kicking it that far, and it seems like he's leaving yardage on the table. Yeah. On a day like that where it's windy and the field is slick, like those weren't mishits. That's what he's trying to do. And the the way I know that the way so there's different kinds of punts. The way you drop the ball. Everybody yeah. probably just thinks like you drop the ball like parallel to the ground, right? There's all these different angles. Yeah. And you get different results. And one of them is you drop it actually with the nose straight down. Right. And that's referred to as like the pitching wedge. Yeah. Because that thing's going to pop straight up. It's going to come straight down. It's going to be a very controlled roll. When it's windy and it's slick. That's what you want to do. That's what you want to do because the ball, it's not going to like kick in these random directions. It's going to hit the ground. It's going to roll softly ahead. So you're trying to pop that thing right up, land it right at about the 15. It's going to take a slow roll probably right around the 10. You're not going to risk the win carrying the ball into the end zone or cutting it short or whatever. Right. They were executing the kind of kicks I believe they wanted to execute for the conditions. And I love this. This, people, is, this is why people listen to this people, show because nobody else right. knows anything about punting. So good for people you. People want to say he was kicking the ball short. They were all I-20s. I think given the offense and Zach Wilson yeah. getting the ball to the 13 and getting the ball to the 3, they looked at it and said, there's not much of a difference there. We don't want to risk the touchbacks. I think that was the exact, and people think I'm being easy on special teams. Wait till we get to the duds, but <laughs> uh, I think those were the 
again, go back and look at it. He drops the ball nose down. That tells yeah. me they were going for those pitching wedge punts. They weren't trying to boot the ball out of the building, So, which will be something maybe they do this week. We'll get to that when we get to key oh, matchups. Oh, yeah, this is a big thing for you. Yeah. Okay, but I we both have a dud on special teams. I think everybody that watched yeah. the game knows where we're going with it. But I want to say just I want to give your special team some kudos Yeah. because it feels to me – and I get that there, I'm one of them sometimes, and I, I try not to do it as much anymore because I, I do see the value in it, and I see how hard those guys work because we're here every day, and we see it, right? Yeah. Uh, the, it feels to me like they're playing chess again on special teams. A little bit. And I think that that's Joe Judge, mostly. I, I think so. And so I nobody, nobody in this building that works for Patriots.com is more critical than of Joe Judge than me. Yeah last year and i'm not no one's walking back on it like i like that was all well, fair, that was on offense it's that different. was all fair yeah. criticism let's give joe judge some props he's they've coached really 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 well on special teams through three games and i think part of it too this is not i honestly don't even make this mean this to take away joe judge it's in addition yeah. to and people are going to roll their eyes at this yeah they kind of had the same guys for a while. Yeah. And do you think the new blood is, is I, as much as people roll their eyes at the assets that, that, that they use on special teams and the yeah. draft picks and the roster spots, Brandon Schooler, new guy, he's been a big part of that. Yeah. I think having a new kicker and a new punter, there's some new things you can try with that. Yeah. I think that's part of it too. They've kind of, they've been, outside of Slater, it's kind of all been overturned, right? Cody yeah. Davis isn't playing. Brandon Bolden's gone. Uh, Justin Bethel's gone, right? It's it's Brendan Schooler, it's Amir Speed, it's it's Calvin Munson, it's a very different yeah. group. Besides the field goal operation, which we'll get to in a second, I the way that they're covering things, the obviously the Brandon Schooler block, yeah, uh, the 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 slingshot move that Joe Houston taught Brandon Schooler on punts that uh, we were talking with him about that yesterday in the locker room. Like these things are just like this is this is Belichick chestnut checkers on special teams and i want to give some some credit to joe judge i know he also caught a lot of flack for the meeting thing in the off season and like deservedly so but at the same time they they're they're back to like winning the game and i'm not saying like winning the game overall i'm just saying like they're winning the special teams battle every single week again and right. and there's something to be said for that all right duds uh number one dud uh for me is juju smith schuster yeah. Number one dud. I I said it like that because like I do think that some of the issues that they were having were rain related. I hated that he used that as an excuse yesterday, but I, I'll use it for him. Like let us let us make the excuses, Juju, right? Like let us right. explain these things away by saying it's rain, regardless. I think the rain was in it was a, a factor. I'll say that. And I also think a lot of the factor is just he needs more reps with Mac Jones. Right, like they need to be more on the same page. Yeah. Their chemistry needs to improve, that sort of thing. But ultimately, you just watch them. You watch them run routes. You watch them move. And I just, I, we all don't see it. We all don't see a lot of juice there right now. And this is one thing that I, I, have been hard on myself about is how wrong I was about this swap for Jacoby Myers. They, Jacoby Myers should still be a Patriot. We yeah. all, we all know that. I I like Juju. I like Juju going back to USC. Liked him as a prospect. Like I'm in Pittsburgh, but they, I got this one wrong. He he, Jacoby Myers is the better player. Jacoby Myers is a better fit for the Patriots, and Jacoby Myers should still be here. That doesn't mean that Juju can't turn it around. But right now, three games in, uh, this looks like a massive mistake. 
Yeah, we thought, and I was with you, but I think we thought we were getting a version of Juju Smith-Schuster that we just yeah. haven't gotten. Yeah. But to the rain thing and the chemistry with Mac Jones, none of that explains ear-holing C.J. Mosley on a first down five seconds after or, the play. And, I mean, and that, that's what, what made it, like, I don't think his play was number one dud-worthy on my list necessarily because I think some other guys were worse. Okay. But in terms of, like, why he was number one, it's because on top of the fact that you're not making any plays, you're taking stupid penalties also. Yeah, that was just a really dumb penalty. Yeah. I just, I don't know why he did that, and uh, that's why he's on my down list for me. Cause, and, and I worry, you see a guy struggle, and, and players struggle to start the season, but it's how do you handle it. Yeah, if that's how he's going to handle it, that's not a good sign. Yeah, all right. Who, who's next? I uh, so I had Juju number one. Yep. Uh, number two, I have a combo. I have you just said. Let us make the excuses, right? About yeah. everything. Yeah. I have Joe Cardona. Yeah. Slash. Oh. The Jets ground crew. <laughs> because Joe Card- <laughs> because God forbid we criticize Joe Cardona well, for so, anything. So there's a couple layers here. When I when I wrote this on 98.5 thesportsup.com, I actually had the the end of half execution. Yeah. And it wasn't just Joe Cardona because I the, didn't... The sneak on second down was terrible too. What is the real difference between a 57 and 59-yard field goal? Nothing. Right. It was, and, bad, and it was bad. It's not like they didn't have a timeout or it, like they had a timeout. Throw over the middle of the field. Yeah. Try to get Chad Ryland a better look. So that was issue one. Yep. Agreed. Issue two was the bad snap by Joe Cardona. Yeah. And issue three was the field conditions were a mess. And I don't know if they went down and used like Crayola, you know, water paints or whatever, but an NFL field shouldn't look like that, plain and simple. So <laughs> you just had a whole. The, the field is a dud. I love that. You just had it. Well, the grounds crew's per- job. You had a whole mess of things yeah. that led to that. But you also had the other bad snap that. Yeah. It, what was that, 47 yards, yeah. which is long, but it's not unrealistic, no, especially for a guy like kick. Ryland. But yeah, he would have made that kick, I think. The the whole operation there from the setup to the snap to where yeah. their kit, like, it was just, it was it, it was bad. It was all bad. It was very bad. I didn't like any of it. Uh, help your rookie kicker out a little bit more. So I had Joe Cardona on my list, too. Uh, both those snaps are bad. Yeah. The, I couldn't agree with you more about the end of the half, though. Yeah. So they had that's a, on Bill O'Brien, so really. When they at first, when it was third down, right? When they sneaked it, no, it was, or was it second down? It was. Uh, they snuck it on third. So, but it was it. There was, was like seven seconds left. It right. wasn't. But my point being is that at first, if you if it's third down, I can't remember if it was second or third. But if it's third down, you can't spike it on fourth down. Right. So the only option that you have at that point is to pick up the first down and then spike it and then kick the field goal. But they had the timeout. Right. So that's what I thought initially was they had no timeout. Oh, they had no timeouts. And then I realized that they still had a timeout. And yes. that and that made it even because I was about ready to explain it away and be like, wait, actually this is kind of smart. Yeah. But then I realized that they, they did had that a in the snowball, what you're describing. Right. And yeah. I was like what are they doing? Throw it throw, ten yard in cut. Yeah, ten yard in cuts on Hunter Henry. And actually, you reminded me. I had a third slash to this. It was Joe Cardona slash Ground Crew slash. Do you remember what that second down play was? Uh, no, refresh my memory. It was the one to Demario Douglas that Mac underthrew, yeah. and if he puts up on Demario Douglas, it's a touchdown. Yeah, so I don't yeah. want to take anything away from you know. Oh, less no, any no, blame no, no. on this Mac was here. The, the DPI one. But yeah. I mean. Michael Carter doesn't even pretend to turn around. <laughs> just runs right through Demario Douglas. Like, are you Give freaking? Give the rookie a call. So Come on. the third slash here, and I don't like to be the guy that blames the refs, but the third slash here was going to be the refs because you have a 
Okay, so let's let's run through. I don't remember what happened on first down. Yeah. Second down, Mac underthrows a ball that should have been a touchdown. That's compounded by the most obvious. Like yeah. that was Tommy Lee Lewis level <laughs> pass interference. Runs right through him. Should have given them the ball in the fifteen at the very least. Like yeah. you probably get a throw to the end zone at the very least. Chip shot <laughs> field goal. So that's. That's step number two. Yeah. So then, all right, no call. You get the third and two. You run the quarterback sneak with a timeout in the pocket, which makes no sense. Yeah. You then have a bad snap on a crap field. It was just a total and complete mess of a sequence. The whole – just just that sequence down, all of it. Mac Jones, ref, Michael Carter, the field crew, Joe Cardona, all of it bad. That. bad. I don't even know who I'm blaming at this point. It was just a – a cavalcade of of errors and unfortunate results. That was that was epic. That Thank is, you. That was, Am I wrong? <laughs> no, you're hundred percent right. But the only like I, I'm trying to rack my brain of like why did you sneak it? Like why did you sneak it? The only thing that I can rationally think of is like maybe they thought that they were going to take the Jets so by surprise that it was going to he was going to run for like fifteen yeah, yards. Right. Well, it's like a three yard quarterback sneak, and Matt kind of like falls down early, and he yeah. kind of looks surprised like nobody's yeah. hitting me. But yeah. it's just it was one of those ones where like you point to the missed kick and. There's so many counter arguments you can make. Yeah. Well, he missed the kick. Well, what about the snap? Yeah. All right. Well, the snap. What about the uh, what about the the ground screw? All right. Yeah. Well, what about the field position yeah. with the sneak? Well, what about if Matt makes the throw? Well, it, it shouldn't have mattered because there's the pass interference and there's just so many fingers you can point. It was it just was, it was all bad. You're right. You it know, was a mess. It, it was you know you control the controllables. It was yeah. a, a a real example of of the and, controllables. And obviously, I, I'm not. I, I'm big on the fact that you can't just say you put three points on the board and then it's 18 to 10 at yeah. the end because the dominoes fall differently, right? If they kick the field goal, they, right. they make it. But at the same time, like that was a five point game that they missed two field goals. In, yeah. And it shouldn't, it should have been a nine point game, you know, or I can't do 11 point game. But, but it's, is, is it, they missed the two field goals because the kicker missed and missed the two field goals because it was a bad snap. They missed no, two field right. goals because oh, bad right. weather because the refs missed the call because sure. Mac Jones missed the throw. <laughs> like, Here, that's the whole context. If you of give it. a mouse a cookie, yeah, that's the whole context <laughs> of it. But at the same time, it, it, it those are the differences for this team of a comfortable 11 point win on the road right, 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 and right. a Hail Mary being like a few inches away from being completed. Right. Like, those, yeah. and that, that they need to clean those things up for that reason. All right. So I had Joe Cardona too. I didn't have the whole, the whole rant that you did, but you did it a lot better than I can. It was so, just all a mess. So I'm not going to do it myself. Joe Cardona was one of mine. The other one was obviously Cole strange. Yeah. And, uh, fine. and you know, Cole strange, I, I just, we've already talked about it. I'm not going to com- continue to pile on with him but in this game i thought it what was the most telling part of all of it was the very very first snap of the game the jets break the huddle the patriots break the huddle they line up number 95 quinnon williams walks right over to the left guard and puts his hand in the dirt right like yeah. you knew who they were going after right away and he stood up quinnon williams rushed on cole strange all day long and that tells you what you need to know about Cole Strange and how the Jets view him is that that's your weak link on the interior our guy is 15 times better than your guy and we're gonna wreck the game because of this and honestly in the first half it did wreck the game for the Patriots offense they were great on third down Mac was really good on third down in the first half but in terms of like their play-to-play execution Quinn Williams in the backfield the entire time yeah all right that was your your so I, I I since I had two overlaps let me can I use this to give a take because yes, I sure. don't want to make Ramondre a down because he did some good things in this game he did the drop was bad 
Right. So I, I try I try to, you know, let us make the excuses, yeah. right? It hadn't been raining at that point. And then right before the ball was like snapped, I think maybe the play before, but it was like right when that drop happened, the the skies opened up and it started pouring. Yeah. So I wonder if it was I agree that his eyes were already getting up field and I think he was yeah. looking for the yak, but at the same time I also wonder if it slipped out of his hands because of the rain. So I'm not going to put him as a down or a bad or a dud or whatever the hell we're calling it. But yeah. I do want to give you a take based off that play. Okay. I they've both been good as pass blockers or Mondre and Zeke. Yeah. But you haven't necessarily seen the explosiveness you're maybe looking for out of that role, that pass catching back role, and I think the way this team is trending, yeah. look, they're not going to go get James White, but having a running back who can make people miss in the passing game would help. Absolutely. When do we see Ty Montgomery maybe get some more I, looks? I don't know why we haven't seen Ty I, Montgomery. I, I can't explain it. Yeah, I want to start, and I'm not saying he needs to play every drive, and I'm not saying like start handing him the ball in first and 10, but third and eight, you're throwing the ball. We all know you're throwing the ball. Maybe not this week. Be on, yeah. So honestly, as I give this take, I don't trust Ty Montgomery to block Micah Parsons. I don't know that I trust anybody to block Micah yeah. Parsons, Zeke, if anybody, because he's familiar with them. But like, when you get uh, what's next is the Saints, right? Yep. After, Cameron Jordan's a good player, but he's yeah. how old, right? Yeah. Against the Saints, third and eight, we all know throwing the ball. Can we get Ty Montgomery out in the pattern? I'm shocked that Ty Montgomery is not didn't have a role in this. game Why last did week. he make the? T- and I I know the answer is special teams, but like yeah. Then why if so? Why didn't Ty Montgomery make the team if he's not going to contribute as a running back? The answer is special teams. Yeah, fine. We know they want Calvin Munson on the fifty-three. That's been reported. Yeah. Right now he's on the practice squad. Yeah. Why didn't that spot go to Calvin Munson then? Because he's a better special teamer than Ty Montgomery. Yeah. Can we start seeing Ty Montgomery get some looks on third down at running back? I couldn't agree more. Uh, you know they they miss that. They miss. And we talk a lot about like their issues with man coverage and their issues on you know on third down in the second half of this game and how that is exacerbated by them not having guys that can separate against man coverage and all this type of stuff. And we talked about the slot, right? Like you know Jacoby Myers and the Juju thing and all that. And I think there's value to that conversation. But I also think that you know on a lot of third and threes, third and fours, like I think the guy that that Brady looked to maybe the most in those situations was James White. Right, like you know, or Shane Vereen or Kevin Falk or whoever was in that role at the time. Right, and that not having that player and and whatever, whatever it is, whatever up with Ramondre because Ramondre was good at that last year. Like I thought Ramondre was a decent third down back last year. Maybe not on a White Vereen Falk level, but he was a decent third down back. And now this year he he hasn't really been very dynamic in the passing game at all. Ty Montgomery needs to play. Like, I'm not saying that Ty Montgomery is this secret weapon, but it's similar to Pharaoh Brown, right? Like, where if you use him correctly, like, they're using Pharaoh Brown as a blocking tight end and as a fullback in certain alignments. Like, Ty Montgomery can have value for this football team as a pass-catching back. He just can. And yeah. and they have to play him, I think. Uh, like you said, on third down. You know, not it doesn't have to be 50 times a game. But right. he should be getting 10 snaps a game on offense uh, as a third down back. A- absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. All right, let's take one last call, and uh, then we'll do our, our key matchups here. Uh, we take both of those. Uh, no, it's the same person, apparently. Oh. So we're going to okay. try to answer one of them and see if it works. What's up, Matthew? Hey. What's up, guys? How you doing? Evan, we are 4-0. We're going to beat the Bills. We're going to beat the Dolphins. I really thought Christian Gonzalez was going to be a Hall of Famer. I really thought it. <clears throat> but um, 
I'm with you guys with Juju. Um, and I remember just watching, like, the highlights because my brother's a Chiefs fan. And, like, in my head, I'm, like, pun for Juju. But watching the highlights, it's like, okay, Patty, Patrick Mahomes is just unbelievable. Like, he's just making plays with Juju. So, real quick, my question is, uh, do you guys think that Patty was just elevating uh, Juju? Or do you think it's just an injury of some sort? Got it. Thanks for the call, Matt. It's a good question. Uh, I think that what I what I I guess overlooked is the best way to to put it in terms of Juju's translating his production in Kansas City translating to his production in New England. Uh, you can certainly say that it's like a Patrick Mahomes thing or a Travis Kelsey thing or a combination of the of the personnel. I also think what it is is just like a pure space thing, like the Kansas City offense probably because of Mahomes' ability to throw the ball to anywhere at any time. But the Kansas City offense creates so much space for receivers like Juju to work the short and intermediate areas of the field. So when Juju's catching passes in Kansas City last year, there's less people around him than right. the people that that is here. So he's got all this open room to run into and to work with. In New England, it's everything's more compressed than what it was in Kansas City, so he doesn't have the space. And he's not a make-you-miss type of yak receiver. He's a freight train type of yak receiver. You know, he's a yeah. he's a, a, a contact balance type of player who is going to hit a runway, is going to explode through it, and then you're going to have to bring him down. You're not going to arm tackle him to the ground. Those that's the type of player that Juju is. He's not he's not a slippery ball carrier. Right. So in Kansas City. They would run these like different schemes, and there'd just be all this open area for Juju. Here in New England, they haven't been able to get him loose into those open spaces. And even though it's a different coordinator two years in a row, and it's not Josh either, this is like a like a couple years now that this has been an issue. Because similarly, like a guy like Johnu Smith was supposed to be that type of player for them, right. and they never unlocked him fully. I get we we've already said that Nikhil Harry might have been a Hall of Famer in a different situation, but <laughs> Nikhil Harry was also in that category yeah. of somebody Scheme that touch players. yeah that was supposed to be able to run with the football and it never translated here. They have struggled to get these guys loose, to get guys like Juju Smith-Schuster loose, and maybe you can sit there and say that he doesn't have the juice anymore, and it's really more about that than it is about the scheme. Uh, but I think that that's the thing that I overlooked is how much space. And how much, you know, just room that Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and that Chiefs offense creates for their receivers. And now we see it with like Kadarius Tony and uh, Sky Moore. Like those guys are taking those yak yards now, right? So it, it still exists in Kansas City just for other players. Um, but I, I don't know if you th- think the same way or if you just think he's toast or what. But uh, that that's... I, I think it's probably a little bit of everything. Yeah, but that that's the best way that I would explain it. All right, let, let's do key matchups. I, so I think we just took Matthew's call, so I'm going to hang up on, on this other <laughs> this other line of him. Uh, I, I don't know what happened there, but uh, the phones are finally clear. We had a lot of great phone calls today, so I really appreciate uh, all you guys calling in. Get into key matchups to wrap the show with that. Um, my first key matchup here uh, is obviously one that we've already talked a little bit about, but it's uh, Micah Parsons versus the entire Patriots offense. Oh, wow. Co- co- so co- Coaching included. Coaches, all 11 guys. Look at what mine says. Micah Parsons versus everybody. Literally versus the world. On the same like page. All, every Patriots fan. <laughs> <laughs> every every Patriots reporter in the house, like everybody is gonna, we're all gonna come out in the field adventures style, and we're all gonna block Micah Persons together, uh, because that's the way that this game 
that's the way I think of this is that this is an all hands on deck situation. And I, I asked Hunter Henry yesterday about, you know, even if you're not being told to, to like give him a little bump or give him a little chip on the way out of the route. Like this is almost one of those games where you just, you just do it just because you do it. You know, like even if it's not like Bill O'Brien radioing it into Mac Jones, that there's a chip called on the play right like i would just do it anyways if i was hunter henry i like just give him a little push right it doesn't have to be the 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 a, a shoulder into his chest plate like just give him a little shove give him a little shiver on the way by like give him make him feel that like make him expect those types of things to come maybe that will give him a little bit of hesitation uh, i have we've both been doing this for a little while now in terms of like get off and up the field explosiveness I don't think anybody touches Micah Parsons in that category. No. He gets off the ball faster than anybody I've ever seen. And Trent Brown, I'm okay if Trent Brown gets called for a couple of false starts this week. It's wild. And that that's where the team oriented aspect of it comes in is that you have to get hands on him. You have to yeah. bump him, you have to chip him, you have to uh you know, hit him with misdirection, make him think before he gets off. You cannot just let him tee off. You can't. You'll lose by a lot, if that's how you're going to go. So we're both on the on the same page here with Micah Parsons. Yeah, Micah Parsons versus everybody. Micah Parsons versus everybody. Who, who's a, another one of yours? Uh, C.D. Lamb versus Christian Gonzalez. Yeah, I'm on and, that one too. Okay, yeah. I mean, this game plays a, a yeah. little black and white here. Yeah. Um, I This is going to be a different kind of challenge. Yeah. We talked about this earlier. The Cowboys aren't going to throw the ball down the field. This isn't going to be carrying C.D. Lamb down the field and sticking with him through – these complex routes and these multi-cut right. routes. If there was one knock on Christian Gonzalez coming out, it was his tackling. Yeah, That's what's going to be tested this week because they're going to run Christian Gonzalez on quicks. I don't think they're going to jam him. I don't think Gonzalez is going to jam him. I, You think he will just based on the way you're acting there? I, I wonder. I don't know necessarily about jam, but I wonder, like, if they look, how do they view this passing game from Dallas because they don't really have any tight ends that they throw yeah. the ball to. I. I like Gallup like as a player, but I I think ultimately you're you're not worried about Michael Gallup in the sense that you're like game planning right. for Michael Gallup. So I just wonder like, do they is this a game where they do tilt the coverage towards one guy? But but I guess so. My, my point being like, let me rephrase that. Christian Gonzalez the, or not Christian Gonzalez, CD Lamb is going to get off the line at times. Yeah. Like he's going to get off the line, clean little scheme at whatever. Yeah, and they're going to throw him qu- quick slants. They're going to throw him bubble screens. They're going to yeah. throw him hitches, things like that. Yep. There's really not much you can do as a cover corner in those situations. Ball's just going to be out too fast. Yeah. Can Christian Gonzalez step up and tackle him? Yeah. In the open field. It's fair. That's within this matchup, Gonzalez versus Lamb, it's really Gonzalez tackling him in the open field. Because if he can do that, if he can limit him after the catch, again, they're not throwing the ball down the field. Yeah. Like you're tackling him at the two, you know, two, three, four yards past the line of scrimmage. You're going to really decapitate their ability to move the ball. Yeah. No, that's a great point. I, I think that. You know, for Gonzalez, that was the knock. And in week one against A.J. Brown, he passed the, he passed yeah. that eye test, right? He, yeah. he was able to bring A.J. Brown down and, and didn't give up a ton of yak. This is a similar type of matchup as A.J. Brown, I think. A.J. Brown plays a little bit more of his snaps on the outside, like dominant outside guy versus, like, I think the challenge with Lamb is that he does travel. He moves a little bit. Yeah, he he moves in, in inside and outside. Or I should say he moves around, so will Gonzalez travel? Yeah. Uh, I, think that, I would think he will. Just Maybe if they had Jonathan, maybe if Jonathan Jones plays, yeah. I guess we don't know. Jones might play. Yeah, I think that he will. I think that this is one of those games because I, I, Brandon Cook's playing, right? Like, I, I'm pretty sure. Seems like, yeah. This I is mean, where you miss Marcus Jones. So I think that this is one of those games to me where you do, I think you have the guys to shadow their receivers. Yeah. Like, 
Gonzalez gets CeeDee Lamb, John Jones gets uh, Brandon Cooks, and then it's Gallup. Gallup is like a wild card. Look, I'll say this. Miles Bryant, very competitive on Alan Lazard last week, and it's yeah. that same kind of big body physical yeah. receiver that's not the kind of guy you think Bryant's going to match up well with, but he did it. Yeah. So it, I'd it, give him another shot. It's tough. I love, I, I've loved what I've seen from Miles Bryant. He's been good this He's year. He's been good. Uh, but that is one of those matchups where – well, you know, like kind of like T. Higgins against Marcus Jones last year, where it's like let's just throw up a couple. And but I'm see saying, what I, I, I felt last week. If last week we were saying Miles Brown on Alan Lazard, I'd be like, the hell are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. But is is Michael Gallup better than Alan Lazard? Uh, maybe at this stage of Alan Lazard's. Career. But is there that much of a gap? No, I don't think it's. And huge. and it's the same thing. We're like, are, but I think Michael Gallup's more dominant at the catch point than Alan, Alan Lazard is a big. Uh, vertical but receiver also, too. But Alan Lazard's like what six four, six five. Yeah, Michael Gallup six one. Yeah, but he. I feel like he plays above the rim. Like I, like I, I, like, I, I just, I feel like, and I don't feel great about it. Yeah. Like I, this is where I wish he had Jack Jones because this is yeah. such an easy, like obvious or matchup. Or would play Jalen Mills at corner. Or would play. Okay, yeah. well, you know, we can only ask for so much. I, <laughs> uh, after what Miles Bryant did against Alan Lazard last week, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt and say, all right, let's see if you can do it again. All right, I'm, I'm fine with that. But I, I, I definitely think that this is a game where. Those two guys match up really well against yeah, yeah. Cooks and Lamb. Yes. So I don't see what any reason to not travel with well, guys. Well, maybe you do that thing where you put Jabril Peppers on the outside on Michael Gallup and just hit him at the line yeah. and then let Miles Bryant pick yeah. him up down the field. Sure, sure. Uh, but, yeah, I, I look, it's a tough test every week in this league. As I, I think uh, uh, Juju, I think, said that yesterday for Christian Gonzalez. Like, every week he's going to play some sort of star receiver. He gets a little bit of a break next week with the Saints. I mean, Michael Thomas is healthy again for the Saints, but he, he's not a big-time receiver uh, like he used to be. But then it's it's Devontae Adams in, in Vegas. So, you know, and then I, I think when they come back, it's, uh, you know, Buffalo and Miami, and the Commanders are in there yeah. with Terry McLaurin. So, yeah, he's got a lot of tough tests ahead of him, and this is another one. And uh, it's no rest for the weary for that guy. Like, win Rookie of the Month, go up against the gauntlet, and you're just right back at it. We knew it. That there, You know, there's th- – there's kind of a, a thing we've heard about the Patriots that as much as the draft is about the overall future, they will draft and heavily consider their immediate next year's schedule when they draft. And yeah. I think no matter the case, Gonzalez falling to 17 was the no-brainer pick, but you can't help but think, look at the schedule and think maybe they were thinking, look at this gauntlet of wide receivers yeah. we got to face. We got to go get ourselves a real number one corner. And, on t- and, like, and on you know, I wouldn't that, fault that logic. I wouldn't fault that no, logic. And, and on top of that, I also, you know, We've always talked so much about like the value of that in Belichick system, and it yeah. was, it really was like the final ingredient to putting this defense over the top was yeah. getting a Gilmore, Revis, Law, like one of those real number one corners. And as much as I love John Jones and and J C Jackson was good for the Patriots, not so much for the Chargers. Uh, those guys were like you know the Malcolm Butlers. The, yeah, the, the, that, it's that, one step down. It, it's the yeah. number one starter versus ace. Right, Gonzalez looks like he can be an ace. Yeah, and uh, and hopefully. Uh, that can, continues to for the Patriots, yeah. hopefully, because I I do think that they're going to have to bring a lot of resources into the run game in this game, and that's sort of where my next uh, my next key or next key matchup yeah. was Juwan Bentley just okay. against the run game. This is a Juwan Bentley kind of game. This is this is his bread and butter. Like go go crazy, sledgehammer, right? Like this is your kind of game, and uh, you they have to 
limit the Cowboys on the ground. If the Cowboys are running the football, like that's their, that's their team, and they're going to run you right over if you let them. So, uh, Jawan Bentley, like this is you. You're in a phone booth. You're going to be coming downhill at the line of scrimmage. You're going to be stopping the run. This is what you do best. Uh, I would say the same, you know, just extending it out to, you know, Godshaw or yeah. Dietrich Wise and Lawrence Guy and uh, all those guys up front. Like this is you. This is a traditional win the line of scrimmage kind of football game. It, yeah. it really is. And it's an old school smash mouth, win the line of scrimmage and you win type of game. I think the Patriots defensive front is better than a banged up Cowboys offensive line. So it might not be better than the real Cowboys offensive okay. line, but the guys that are getting, without Zach Martin and without, uh, you know, the other guys, Tyron Smith and those guys, I think that they, they have the edge there and they have to prove that they have to play like that. Yeah. It's going to be super fun to watch Juwan Bentley this week. Again, this is him. He's gotten better in coverage. He's gotten better as a pass rusher and he's good yeah. at those things. And like all the credit to him for growing his game. I don't know how much that matters this week. He gets to be old school Juwan Bentley. Bring the hammer. Identify the hole and just go screaming into the hole, and you're meeting Tony Pollard and Aaron Boone, yeah. who who brings more to the collision. And and usually when you ask that question about Juwan Bentley, he's him. the one bringing the more yeah. more to the collision. So I'm excited yeah. to watch him this yeah. week. Yeah, and Tony Pollard, last uh, thing for me on this, is just that he's a really explosive back. Yeah. So if you let him get ahead of steam, and he can take – he he's a home run hitter. Like yeah. he he can hit it from 40 50 yards out. So uh this is one of those games too where uh, you you got to tackle him before he gets to the third level yeah. of the defense. All right, what do you got? All right. Oh boy. This is this is like an all, I'm bummed I spoiled this for you in the locker room yesterday, but this is like an all-time me I don't I don't know if I've seen Alex work a story like this before Faith. Like this is he's been working this story all week long, talking to people in the locker room, getting exclusives, like, you know, he's been all over this. All right, I I go ahead. Go My ahead. third matchup of the week. Bryce Beringer versus the AT&T Stadium scoreboard. <laughs> They've got, right, that big video board. It hangs 90 feet over the field. Yeah. And punts hit it. It's only happened four times, but twice in the last year. <laughs> it's only happened once. Jake Camarda hit it last year. How long has the stadium been open? Since 2009. <laughs> it's only happened. Well, well no, but, but, but listen. So it happened the first year, and yeah. I think teams got freaked out, and they started changing the way they punt in okay. the building. Yeah. And now you're seeing teams be less afraid of it. Is this like the catwalks in Tropicana? Like, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. so yes, but it's not as stupid because <laughs> in Tropicana you can hit like a pop-up to third and it's a home run because it yeah. hit the thing. Here, if you hit it, it's a redo. So ultimately, that's why this take is so great because ultimately if you hit it, it's non-consequential. You redo the down. but <laughs> It doesn't even matter. No, but it can because I think some so, teams— So you think it's in his head? I, I don't know, but here's okay. So here's the take. Okay. I think some teams adjusted the way they punted because of it because yeah. they didn't want to hit it. They didn't want to deal with redoing the down. Right. You know, punt to the side or whatever. If you're picking, punt off a certain hash. I think, first of all, Bryce Berenger can hit it. Yes. Not every punter can hit it. I think it's a little bit of a point of pride among punters. Like, Jake Camarda has a massive leg. So he hit it. And he hit it last year for Tampa. Is this like, um, remember that throw that. Uh, Someone, I uh, was it Anthony Richardson. He like yeah. hit. Is it? So, did, hit, so you, kinda, think yeah. you think guys um, are purposely hitting it? Now? I don't think they're purposely hitting it in game, but guys will go out in warmups and try to hit it yeah. to see if they can do it. Brian Anger, who was the the Cowboys punter uh, yeah. last year, two years ago, hit it. Um, I talked to Bryce about it this week. <laughs> said it's just an obstacle that's there. He's going to kick his ball. He's going to trust his ball. I want to see. I don't know that in game I want to see him hit it. Uh, he said he's going to go out for warmups and you know he'll kind of test and see what yeah. it's like. 
I want to see if he can hit it warm ups. That'd be pretty cool. I'll I'll let you and know. Then, all right. Please let me know. And then <laughs> it's look, it's a it's a factor in the game. He's got one of the biggest legs in the league. He's a guy going into the game that realistically, if he gets a hold of one, he can hit it. And he said he told me. I'm just going to hit my ball, and if it hits it, it hits it, and we'll redo the down. We're going to play it as it lies. So, yeah, exa- <laughs> but no, no, you don't play it as it lies. You redo the down. That's not what. It's the exact opposite of play it as it lies. But this is just this is great. He's going to come out and kick it, and I want to see what a special team show this is. I want to see if he can hit the board. I want to see if he can hit the board, and I don't think that him or Cam Accord or Joe Judge. I don't think they're going to adjust anything for the board. And I think that that's the right way to go about it. Because I think some teams do adjust. I don't think they're adjusting. I think if it hits it, it hits it. We'll go again. I think that's the right approach. I think it's amazing that this whole this whole week-long yeah. project you've been working on. Week-long? I started like 24 hours no, ago. No, week-long project. No, I screwed wor- up. No, week long, no, no it's not no, week-long. Because no. if it was week-long, I would have asked Cam Accord about it on Tuesday, and I didn't. You you got you got some special permission to ask Cam Accord your special team. We'll see, maybe. Look we'll at, see. No comment. The, um, no comment. I did also ask Pop Douglas about how it impacts returners, and he yeah. said he'll get a look pregame so he's not thinking about it much right now well but, you gotta take to ask jabril too you might that's be a good point yeah oh, he's actually now. and he's returned punts there before yeah they, oh there you go i just helped you out yeah you're welcome. all right but that the scoreboard versus patriots punter bryce Beringer. that's you, you, your you don't want to see if he can hit it you're not a little curious if he can well, hit it i am a little curious now because i think it's hilarious that this whole week-long project of yours is predicated on four punts hitting it in like 15 years okay but it's four that have hit it but how many punters changed the way they kick to not hit it i get it it's a it's it's a thing it's a thing it's a thing and that's four in the nfl college punters have hit it i don't know i don't know how bill belichick doesn't absolutely love you like you're the only one that that cares about any of this nonsense like i would just be if i was bill i'd be like oh that's the special teams kid why doesn't he ask a question so somebody in the comments somebody in the comments said it should be an automatic first down for the punting team if you hit it teach jerry a lesson because at the time when they built it everybody's like this is ridiculous yeah they didn't think about it no they didn't everybody's like why does he need a scoreboard this big this close to the field i'm all for that i think if the punter hits it it should be a first down because you would see punters just absolutely booting the crap out of the ball try to hit it would completely change the game it would be a it'd be a wild home field advantage for the cowboys but all right because they would just go out and they'd find the guy doesn't matter how accurate he is let's go get the guy with the biggest leg and we're just going to tell him to hit the scoreboard every time they have a home punter and a road punter all right well we'll monitor that in dallas i'll i'll, I'll keep it tally. i want i want you to be the one because everybody's going to tweet out in, in warm-ups if he hits it i want you to be the one that's first and says bryce Beringer just hit the scoreboard i'm gonna put it in my drafts and then if it happens, if it happens i just fire it I just can hit send oh i want that, the video you want video i want the video oh my gosh i don't usually do videos from the press box it's right. like zabruder from somebody will get it Bri- like, brian hines will get it yeah uh, is he coming there you go i don't know if he's going he'll get it yeah i trust him get- he's tried to usurp me as the special teams guy that's why i need this take this week has been big for me that's true. i've been able to he bounce does back post a lot about special teams and i'm just like easy there brian that's you're stepping in alex's territory now you well know? i'm like i'm no longer in your shadow Whereas, like, you would handle all the all the offense and defense stuff, so I had to find a way to separate myself. Yeah. Now I'm no, that's no longer the case, so I've had to do more real football, <laughs> and and Brian's kind of stepped in as that guy. But now I this this week's been big for me. I can kind of come back and and be like, hey, I I, I still got these special teams chops too. <laughs> you're like Joe Judge. You're back on special. That's teams. right. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Although I come on, I 
Was I that bad talking about the offense? Did, uh, did. <laughs> you were better. You were better. <laughs> you were better at talking about the offense than, than some people were coaching the offense. I'll tell you that. All right. All right. I've done, I'm not naming names. I'm just saying some people. No, that's it. All right. That's it. It's a little All different. Right. So Alex and I, on that note, <laughs> Alex and I will be back next week, same time, same place, uh, talking about the New Orleans Saints. And uh, we're actually going to do uh, a guest next week. We're going to have huh. Nick Underhill from okay. uh, Football. Uh, nobody covers the Saints better than Nick, so he's going to come on with us for a few minutes, do a phoner with us, and talk Saints. So until then, signing off for Alex Barth, I'm Evan Lazar. Thanks for watching and listening, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Google Play, and everywhere else you listen. Like the show? Please rate and review us. Listener comments and ratings help keep us high in the podcast rankings so new listeners can find us. Be sure to check Patriots.com for more news and more podcasts.